This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are talking Jurassic World, colon, Fallen Kingdom. Must go faster. Must go faster. Volcano! are now recording and this is out now with Aaron Nabe. I am Aaron and as always this is Abe. Hello. Out now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other movie topics. This is episode 328. 328. That was the room that uh, those people died in. <laughs> what, dark. What room? Dark. I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> This week we're talking Jurassic World colon Fallen Kingdom, the fifth entry in the Jurassic Park franchise, the second entry in the Jurassic World trilogy, and the first <laughs> entry in Fallen Kingdom movies. I feel like we needed the first. Yeah, I, 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 I was wondering where you're going to do with the one there. <laughs> I, yeah, I wanted to make sure we had it all in because we don't want to get angry letters about people that were <laughs> not mentioning that part. Um if anyone actually sent us angry letters, I would be pretty pleasantly surprised. Well, good, because we, sh- we should launch into our P.O. box that we're starting right now. No, uh, but yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're talking Jurassic World, and th- joining us to the, this week to talk to Jurassic World, Colin Fallen Kingdom, we have from Fast Film Reviews, he's just gotten back from an auction for exotic animals, it's Mark Hoban. Hi, everyone. And from Forbes, he's just applied for the Dr. Wu internship for work in the genetic engineering lab at Lockwood Manor, it's Scott Mendelson. Greetings, always a pleasure. I put a lot of work into that that I forgot about until just now when I read it again, because I wrote that like three I was like, days ago. Oh, <laughs> it was like really long. Mark, Mark like... is a secret billionaire, <laughs> and then uh, 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 Scott works over in like, some guy's uh, basement. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pretty big basement, if you ask me. We'll get there. We'll get. We'll, oh, there's plenty of things to dissect when it comes to uh, the lab in uh, Jurassic World: Colon Fallen Kingdom. Uh, but first, let's get to some. Uh, first, well, first off, really, Mark Scott, how are you guys doing today? I'm Very doing well, thank pretty you. Well. Good. I got sunburned at the pool, but in a good way. So I had a good time. Oh, there you go. All right. Beautiful vitamin D. Indeed. Mark, how you been doing? You been hiking? Lots of walking. Yes. Cool. As always. Great. Always good. Exploring areas that I have never explored in the Bay Area. Well, now that it's, it's officially summertime, so, you know, always good for a walk. Uh, she with the Will Smith song. Let's get to some show notes real quick. First up, um, our Jurassic Park commentary, which actually features Scott and I along with Brandon. Uh, that's up now. It's a lot of fun. I think we did a good job talking all about Jurassic Park. Um, so yeah, tune into to that one. That's on iTunes and uh, Audio Boom. Speaking of iTunes, out now, uh, out now reviews and ratings. It'd be great to get those on iTunes. You can search for Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes. You can give us a star rating. That'd be great. You can give us a written review also. That'd be even better. Thank you very much in advance. Here, here's a hug. Can you feel it? No. Oh. All right. Uh, <laughs> what else? Um, jeez. Let's. Uh, what else? We have our uh, summer gamble, which all of us on this podcast are in. Uh, the seventh annual summer gamble. It's currently in play. Uh, 
all of us, uh, Abe and I, along with Scott and Mark and many other frequent guests on the show, they've all picked what we believe are going to be the top 10 highest grossing films at the domestic box office. Jurassic World was another big entry uh, this weekend, and it hit, what, Scott, $150 million in its, uh... $150 million. Yeah, I'm still not going to win the batting pool. We don't know that yet. We got, we got, right, sure. As far as, it, you know, yes. Yeah, it, it's it's clear Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is not going to do more than The Incredibles. Correct. And I'm pretty sure Solo is not going to be, well, you know what? No, no, Deadpool. No. What did I put in the order? Anyway. You have, you, you, you have, you have, you have Avengers, uh, Jurassic World, World Incredibles, Incredibles, and then uh, Solo. And then Solo. Oh, do you have Solo? Darn it. Yeah, yeah. Solo. yeah, most of us have Solo in that four spot. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, ironically, it, you know, it still may end up in, you know, fifth place because, I mean, there's not that much else coming out that's going to do, you know, 210, 205. Yeah. The, other e- than, fingers e- crossed, you know, Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible yeah. or Ant-Man would have to, like, really surprise to go right. that high. Yeah, those Ant-Man. Are, yeah. Those are the two, two. Yeah. 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 And who knows? Maybe Ant-Man's like, well, that was a bummer of that last MCU movie. <laughs> you know, let's go see this Ant-Man. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> <laughs> Here's five hundred million dollars. Like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm done. I'm toast. It is. Yeah. All right, but anyway, yeah. Summer gamble in full swing. Lots of things are changing up the boards every week now because we have new big movies coming out pretty much every week. Can't wait right. to see those that huge hundred million dollar opening for Sicario next weekend. But we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's go. Let's uh, let's recap one more thing. We have a contest currently happening. We do. Yeah. yeah. We, we announced it last week. Uh, yeah, we did. It is a create your own dinosaur contest. Uh, or basically, uh, if you want to win um, all four uh, Jurassic Park films on digital, on streaming, we have the digital download codes for each of the four films, uh, you can create your own dinosaur. Uh, by And by that, I mean you can do it in Photoshop, you can do it in just slapping Game a couple drive? images together, you can draw it, you can do some kind of graphical design thing that I don't even know about. Aaron, I just wanted to clarify, the four Jurassic four film, or the four films go to the winner? Uh, yeah. Th- yes, the winner. Yes. Meaning, I don't know. I, the first one, yes, I would be very happy to <laughs> to have that one. I don't know the the. Don't the other be three. that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I say, well, what you can do, Mark, is you could, you could re-gift it because you know you'd basically be able to say, right. oh, here, yeah, I could, thought yeah. of you on your birthday today. Here's Jurassic Park three. And, and I'd have to be very careful who I give those to, but yes, you should also be careful to look a gift horse in the mouth. I think I'm like, using that correctly. <laughs> I mean, what's better than free? Uh, freer? <laughs> sure, freer. Yeah, Regardless, before Mark interrupted with his opinions on movies again, uh, I was talking about the contest where you create a dinosaur <laughs> and you can win free movies for free. Um, all you have to do is enter our contest by creating a dinosaur and naming it. Let's not forget the yeah. naming it part. Um, and you can submit your hire Doctor Wu to make me a dinosaur, and you can. And I will win this contest. Yeah, if there's a 3D model or you know a real genetically spliced engineered dinosaur creature, you know either one of those work too. Um, just make sure to send the food because we, we don't know how that works. Um, but yeah, so you can, you can, you can enter those in by sending them to our email at gmail.com or on our Facebook page. You can message us there at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or on our Twitter page. You can yeah, hit us with a dinosaur creation over there at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. Um, you have till the end of the month. Um, which would be, I guess, I guess by the time of our Sicario podcast, uh, would be probably the time that we, this contest yeah. ends. Um, we're excited to see the entries. Thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, and I think that's it for all our show notes. I also just want to lastly add that if you actually just submitted a Tyrannosaurus Rex and a Stegosaurus 
and a brontosaurus, I'd still laugh. <laughs> yeah. If, <laughs> if they had a new name. It counts as a submission. And it's like, but no, it has a blue tail, so it's different. Like, any of those, you know, exactly. it all works. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, we got that dinosaur contest going, so, you know, feel free to enter in. We're we excited to see any picks, so we'll, and we'll pick one randomly as the winner, and it'll be great. We'll, everybody will, everybody wins in this scenario, so... Because it's fun to see dinosaurs, right? That's that's what 150 million dollars says to me. But let's um let's move forward. Let's uh, let's get to uh, nobody. Reach we can ask each other a question or two. Try to set the tone for the podcast. We better get to know no, everybody. everybody. Was Abe even in that? Yeah, I said it. All right, I must have been really low. I heard Mark. That's for sure. No, everybody. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh let's let's get to this. I have a question for you guys. Uh, what seems like a reasonable price for a dinosaur? If, like, if you're presented with a dinosaur and you're like, well, yeah, I guess I have to no, bid on this now question. to purchase it, what makes the most I, sense? I honestly personally was thinking those prices were too low. I'd have to say like $100 million. For like one dinosaur, right? Does that make that makes a level? I mean, you know, it, it seems like a very expensive, exclusive gift. So $20 million seems too low to me. I'll tell you, that, 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 without going into spoilers, that was a bargain. Yeah. I agree. That was a bargain. Wendy and I were, were making fun of that the entire ride home on Friday night. Yeah. Um, that, that's a best buy. Um, so I guess to answer that question, a lot more than, than, yeah. 50 million dollars. Uh, 50 million, okay. Mark? I have an answer, uh, and I know Scott can back me up on this, but I know Pixar's The Good Dinosaur cost 200 million. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll go with that. I love your logic. <laughs> It's <laughs> a good answer. Yeah, but the land before That's time probably cost answer. like twenty. Yeah, but you know they were they were big. <laughs> Yeah, but at the same time, that's that's clearly the more profitable dinosaur between the two. Which which one has fourteen sequels? Which one has fourteen sequels? Good value. Oh, I've got a question for you guys. Sure. If you're given an all expense paid trip to an island with dinosaurs on it, having seen these movies, do you still go to it? That seems like a no. <laughs> I, well, what if what if everything works out fine and you get to see the dinosaurs? Wait, no, but are you promising me this? Or are you saying it'll I, probably I'm work? It'll be. Anything. I'm just saying that you've seen these movies. There is an actual island, and some guy comes to your house and is like, "Here's two tickets, hotel stay, you know, Ritz Carlton style stuff." Yeah, but Abe, if you're not promising me that it's all working fine, you're just saying I've seen these movies where horrible things yeah. happen. Why would I say yes to this? <laughs> it's a free vacation. There's plenty of places to vacation. Okay, well, I guess you're gonna close the door. What's your answer, Abe? Are you you've so you the only the only logic you have to go with is you've seen movies where bad things have happened, and so (laughs) so what do you what do you say to this thing? There's a sliver of a chance of everything going perfectly normally, like apparently in Kenya, where where we've never seen, and uh, everything's honky dory. You keep talking about Kenya. I would go. See, Scott's going. I would not. Ten or eleven years, the Jurassic World was open for business. They only had one bad day, <laughs> and that was enough to shut them down. Yep. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Well, Scott's going, but you guys aren't. All right. No. <laughs> <laughs> Where's your sense of adventure? Like, yeah, the rides seem cool, but like, what? No. Like, I'm only basing it off these movies. These are my examples. I have to go with. No. <laughs> no, thank you. Show me All the right. movie. Show me the movie where everything goes well. Then, then I could consider it more. The day before Jurassic World, 
I didn't see that movie. I didn't. See, I didn't. And all the days leading up to Jurassic Park. All, all I saw was Safety Not Guaranteed. That's that's the movie I saw. <laughs> Clever answer. Clever. All right, no. makes sense. All right. Let's... Actually, I, I should backtrack. Like, I guess even leading up to Jurassic Park, there was the incident with the raptor and the uh, the gatekeeper. So, mm-hmm. but that was that was behind the scenes. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's let's get to our poll question. Uh, each week we ask you a question. I don't like this. Why? It was too hard for you. It, uh, it was a little bit too like, oh man, I, I, these are these are intense questions these days. This is an easy ah. one for me, but anyway, I'll get to it. Let's okay. So each week we ask a we ask a poll question on the Out Now Facebook page, Facebook slash Out Now Podcast, where I put two movies against each other, and you vote for the one that you want to save. Um, I try to theme them around the movie in some way. So this week I had a Chris Pratt versus Bryce Dallas Howard showdown featuring the Best Picture nominees, Moneyball versus The Help, uh, featuring yeah. both of those actors. Um, so before we get to the results of said poll, if you had to choose between which one to save, uh, which would you choose? Now keep in mind, by saving one of these films, you the the other one gets erased from existence. They, the, the like every, history changes because of this. You've 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 just you've completely destroyed and wiped out the existence of everything involved in this movie. Which one do you save between Moneyball and The Help? I saved The Help because that boosted the careers of uh, Walla Davis and Octavia Spencer. And while I really love Moneyball, you know that movie didn't move the needle any way, shape, or form for anybody. Hmm. Very good, very good uh, thought process there. Mark? Mark, how about you? I mean, I, I really love the writing of Aaron Sorkin, so I, I would save Moneyball, just for no other reason other than I appreciated that script more. Aaron Sorkin yep. and Steve Zalian, I believe. It was a, a two-frame right. in that one. Okay. Yeah. I still save Moneyball, but I had trouble robbing Viola Davis of an Academy Award nomination and, that she lost to Meryl Streep. Yeah, and, and, and then like, but the thing is, like, when I thought about this, I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe I save Octavia Spencer from playing the same role in, like, the rest of the movies that she's in after this movie as well, so who knows? But prefer Moneyball. I, I, I prefer the movie Moneyball, and it was hard to choose against it to vote for The Help, because I don't, I, I like things about The Help, but I don't really like The Help as a whole. Um, so I, I choose The Help for the, the reasons that were, you know, named already. Um, but Moneyball, I do think is a superior film. Um, the poll, um, quite close. It was going back and forth, but, uh, 59% for Moneyball versus 41% for The Help. Um, yeah. So I have to add to our list now that The Help, has now been erased it's from no existence. In existence. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we can't have... mention it. This podcast, like any bit that Bryce Dallas Howard was never in this. It, movie. As far as the universe of this podcast is concerned, yes, you can no longer mention the help on it. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, that's a weird one. All right, all right. We just got... destroyed five percent of Jessica Chase's 2011 output. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all right. That's that was that's how you play. No, no, everybody. That was good. I like that one. It was like a row, row, row your boat, but very minimal. (laughs) All right. Because it all kind of... You'll hear it and they edit it. You'll know. You'll get it. (laughs) Let's move on to Out Now Cookies. Yeah. Each week, Out Now Cookies. 
Yeah, I like how you took a breath in, just like, uh, you know, you, you really prepped yourself there. Well, you know what they say, so there's no reason for me to repeat it. Um, Abe! <laughs> what, uh... I, uh... I was watching Netflix, and I was kind of, like, on this, uh, kind of, uh, horror movie-ish, uh, binge, I suppose. But I came across this, uh, a movie with Anton Yelton, uh, called Bearing the X, and I was like, I don't know what this movie is, is that the Joe like da- Anton. Is that the Joe Dante and, film? I believe that's the Joe Dante film, yeah, yeah. from uh, from 2014. And so I was watching it, and I was like, you know, it's actually, it's it, it's certainly fitting of these Anton Yelchin kind of, uh, uh, these darker ghost movies that he's been in, um, and he's good in it. I think that the movie itself is just all right. It, it's fun, but at the same time, like, it's kind of, sure, nonsensical. It also has uh, Ashley Green and, and Alexandra Daddario in it, um, but for the most part, it's pretty harmless. I'm glad that I was able to see it on Netflix, and uh, I miss that dude. Uh, I wish that uh, I wish that things were different. So, kudos to him on his career. But uh, yeah, you know, if you're free and you're kind of just buzzing around Netflix, feel free to check it out. Have you seen uh, Thoroughbreds yet? I haven't. No. It uh, it's out now, and it's very good. <laughs> Still one of my. Yeah. Yeah. Still very. Still on my uh, favorite of the year uh, list. Um, Speaking of which, we'll get to that next week. Actually, we'll talk about that later. Um, All right. Uh, How about you, Mark? What what other films have you seen recently? So I actually literally just got out of the theater before recording this podcast, uh, seeing Hearts Beat Loud, and this is the drama with uh, Nick Offerman uh, playing a father and his daughter Kiersey Clemens. Uh, and it's kind of a heartwarming, uh, story about, uh, family and, and their, uh, ties to music. It was very nice. It's, it's a very sort of, I mean, it's very, it's not any, it's not deep and it's not, uh, a very, uh, weighty drama. But I think, uh, Nick Offerman and Kiersey Clemens have a nice chemistry. There's some very good music, uh, in the film. It has a nice sort of, climax in the music store where the two perform and uh, it's very heartwarming and stuff so i mean it was it's a nice film it's not something that uh will change the world or anything but it's it's definitely a worthwhile uh you know bit of entertainment we're on the same page with that one because i i enjoyed it too i wouldn't be i wouldn't put it as high as some other films i know like you and i both appreciated as far as like seemingly light musical affairs that just kind of worked for it. Like Sing Street, I think, is obviously one that comes to mind, yeah. um, which I know Scott hated. Art um, um, <laughs> 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 to be loud is better. <laughs> what, what, what was the movie? Sing Street. Said? Sing Street. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, Sing yeah. Street. I Exactly. And also, um, what was the one, uh, uh, the PB&J rap song about the girl? That, oh, yeah, you were uh, big on that one. Uh, Patty Cakes. I, Patty Cakes. I, I thought that was also, uh, I mean, as far as it, it has to do with music, it's a different kind of a story, but um, that was also much better. Right. So you saw her And Kiersey Clemens was also in Dope, and Dope is a better film. So, I mean, these are all better, but um, but it's nice. It's a pleasant film. Cool. So that's it? Uh, just Heartbeat, Heartbeat Lab? Mark? That's it? Um... Well, I mean, of course, we. I saw the one that we're about. To, I, I saw Hereditary uh, about a week ago, and uh, interestingly, Tony Collette is in both Hearts Beat Loud and Hereditary. Yeah. And Hearts Beat Loud, she doesn't really have a whole lot to do. Um, I I think she's fine, but okay. in Hereditary, she's extraordinary. And as far as I'm concerned, um, she should. I mean, of course, we have another six months to go, but if she got an Academy Award nomination 
for her role in Hereditary, I would say it's well well earned. She's extraordinary in that film, and I think she. This is one. Hereditary is one of these films which I think is fine, but because of her performance, she takes rather, I would say, uh, reductive material because it, it it recalls a lot of other films and raises it onto a level that is extraordinary. And so I'm telling people to go see this movie simply because I think Tony Collette is so good in the film, and I walked out of it like really impressed with her performance. So uh, go see Hereditary. Like I said, it, it is reminiscent of some very major classics of the horror genre. Uh, I won't even say what they are. I do mention it in my review, but I'd rather you just go see the film, and then right. you, if you see it, you'll if you're familiar with you know the 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 big films of the horror genre you will see the the influences but it, it it's it's uh, her performance really saves it i think if you're going to steal steal from the best <laughs> thank you for reading my review <laughs> i did i did that's why i'm quoting it <laughs> uh, scott what have you seen recently um i also saw hearts beat loud a few days ago i liked it quite a bit Obviously, it's very slight. It's very slight, but it's just a good, solid actor's picture. Um, it's it's good enough and engrossing enough that I didn't realize to the very end that we had Ted Danson as a bar owner again. <laughs> um, That's a good call out. Well, no, I, I didn't even realize it like almost the end of the movie. Like, Wait, oh, neat, cool. Um, <laughs> the song's been on my loop on my phone the last few days. Uh, it's not quite that thing you do good, but it's damn good. I mean, um, not, not everything is I, that thing you I do good. Know. I mean, yeah. It's... Um, yes to Hereditary. I think, you know, Colette, I think 50-50 she wins the Oscar at this point. Because mm. H24 oh, wow. is good at that. Everybody likes her. It could be like a career type, you know, a career, you know, a career achievement award, whatever you want to call it. And eight, you know, again, this is A24. They're good at this stuff. Yeah. And um, she's, been, she's been nominated once before also yes. for a horror film. Yes. So. Um, and this would make up for her not winning a year ago for Triple X 3, The Return of Xander <laughs> So, justice. Um, you, you should really, uh, dying, dying your shore for that campaign. That's a, that's a great one. Uh, yes. Uh, but I, I did I, – I, I don't know when this is going to drop, so I don't want to break any embargoes. You'll but I did fine. see Ant-Man and the Wasp. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what I'm allowed to say about it other than my children laughed. <laughs> okay. Okay. Simple uh, enough. I saw Jurassic World for a second time, but I'm sure that will come up in a couple minutes. Um, and actually, you know, I, I, I watched it for the first time this afternoon while I was doing the dishes, uh, Prince of Darkness. Which I had just I had never seen before. Oh, okay. The and John Carpenter film. I stumbled upon a, someone writing about it, like I need to watch this movie, and I decided just on a whim. And even though I was watching it on my laptop while I was doing dishes, it kind of got to me. It's, and uh, I realized that I like Carpenter's ghost stories more than I like. I mean, they're both they're all fine. More than I like, you know, The Thing or Halloween or you know, Escape from New York or that kind of thing. Um, the visceral impact is different. Preference. Yeah, I mean, I get I can get that. The, the uh... Prince of Darkness, which is part of his, which is part of John Carpenter's Apocalypse trilogy, it's probably the most prescient of his films that he's made. Yeah, <laughs> um, um, and Alice Cooper, of and, course, is terrifying. And so. I like, you know, In the Mouth of Madness as well, which is, you know, in the same vein. Yeah, that's but, that, that's that's four years from now, but we can, we can stick with Prince of Darkness for yeah. the time being. <laughs> um, and I think that's it for me. All right. 
Um, I've seen a few things I want to make note of. First is a film I think I brought up last week or two weeks ago when I saw the film. It's called Damsel, which is now which came in theaters this weekend in limited mm-hmm. release. It's the uh, Western. It's weird to say Western comedy because it's not. I mean, there's a lot of laughs in it, but I'd say it's more of like a quirky Western. Um, but it stars Rob Pattinson and Mia Wasikowska. Um, it's directed by the Zellner brothers. I, I mentioned this before, uh, but for, suffice to say, having had a chance to think about it more since seeing it and write the review this week since it out came out, um, I do like this film quite a bit. It has some, it has some really good stuff in it, including one of my favorite kind of laugh moments of the year so far. Um, and it's further proof that Pattinson's just a great actor. I mean, it's not, I, it, it's not, I, there's no reason to make excuses for him at this point. It's just like, no, he's just consistently good in things. Um, yeah. and Wasikowska is very good as well. And the whole film has this great kind of tone to it as far as not being an average Western. Um, so just shouting that one out again. Um, what else I saw? Don't worry. He won't get far on foot. This is the new, uh, <laughs> Gus Van Sant film with Joaquin Phoenix. Um, he stars as it's a biopic. Yeah, it stars Joaquin Phoenix. He plays John Callahan, who is a um, he's an alcoholic who becomes a, ca- a cartoonist. He was uh, he was it was in like I guess the kind of the eighties, uh, early eighties when he became more kind of more popular. He um, he was uh, paralyzed from pretty much the neck down. He could still kind of move his arms, but it was difficult. Yet he still became a cartoonist. Um, and the film deals with kind of his alcoholism. Um, as in just his life in general, uh, but has Joaquin Phoenix, uh, Jonah Hill plays his sponsor, uh, Jack Black's in there, Rooney Mara's in there, and it's looking at Gus Van Sant's. But I was looking at them afterwards, just looking at his kind of body of work. It's his best film in like ten years since Milk, honestly. Like it, Gus Van Sant's not you know been turning out like super great movies since then, but at the same time, it's like you know this is probably his best movie since then. Um, I wouldn't okay. put it on the same level as some of those films that kind of gave him his. Is something like Good Little Hunting or Milk, for that matter. But like, it's certainly it's a it's a good return for him, as far as I'm concerned. I think yeah. he does a good job with it. Um, so yeah, it's that that movie arrives, I think, in limited release in July, like mid July. But I saw it and I wanted to say something about it. So, <laughs> and uh, lastly, I saw a movie called The Endless. Um, have any of you guys heard of this? It sounds kind of familiar. Uh, uh, I haven't. Okay. Um, it currently has a like 96% Rotten Tomatoes. It came out the same day as A Quiet Place, except in a limited mm. release. It is a, I guess you'd call it a sci-fi horror. It's it, like, there's horror elements in it enough to be like, I guess that fits in the genre, but it's more of like a, it's horror on the same lines as like Annihilation is horror, if you know what I mean. Like it's... It's sci-fi, but there's like you know spooky ish shell. There's atmosphere. Psychological horror. Yes, thank you, thank you, mm. thank you for putting on the voice and everything. Um, but it's directed by uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. This directing duo, they've made a few films together, including a film called Resolution, which actually shares the same world as this movie, The Endless, although it's not like required viewing or anything like that. Um, but this movie, it stars the directors as the leads, and they're two brothers that have escaped a cult, and things haven't really worked out for them since then and they decide to go back for the sake of closure um, as far as kind of like seeing the people again and just kind of figuring things out once they get back though weird things start happening (laughs) and i'm not going to go too far into it i'm just going to say this is a very good movie um it's really well done it's obviously made on like a lower budget but there's some stuff there's some very clever there's some clever filmmaking done to highlight the kind of strange things that occur and the story, it's very well thought out as far as what it's trying to do and how you come away with it. 
Um, it arrives on Blu-ray this week. I got to review the Blu-ray, which is why I watched it. Um, but it's it's well worth watching. Like I was interested in this already because I'm aware of the filmmakers and I saw it had such a high rating. I'm like, all right, got to check this out. And I look forward to it. And I saw it and it's like, yeah, this is really solid. One more. And it, it has supernatural elements? Is it that kind of It does, um, but it's it's certainly lo-fi as far as how they're applied. Because it's, you know, it's like a... I can't. I can't imagine this costing more than a couple million bucks at most. So it's, it, but it it does what it does. It does it quite well. There's some, there's some neat stuff. Yeah. yeah, and I'm trying not to highlight too much of because there's things that happen for sure that's like, oh yeah, this movie this movie has some ideas going on that it delivers on to a degree. But uh, no, it's it's well worth watching. Abe, I actually the signal came to mind actually. I was watching this too. I, well, I was looking it up right now, and I was like, you know what? I'm curious whether this is like somewhere along the lines of the signal. Yeah, I'd say that yeah, the signal is a good like point of comparison as well as far so as what you're saying is we should get the writers back on the podcast <laughs> yeah that'd be great um for sure but no the endless um it comes on blu-ray this week i think it's well worth watching uh, okay yeah all right uh that's on our quickies yeah let's move on now let's get to our trailer talk we're talking about some of the newest movie trailers of the week when they're coming out what we thought of them what have you and we're well we got a new trailer this week but we're also catching up on some other trailers so let's let's do the old one first let's do bumblebee the upcoming I guess spinoff from the Transformers series. Um, yeah, we don't know it anymore. We know, yeah. But it's you know, it's the it it's a prequel too, so it's all kinds of weird. But it's it's basically a film about Bumblebee, um, set in the '80s, um, starring uh, Haley Steinfeld as the teenage girl who befriends Bumblebee. Oh, it's what's so the period piece. Yeah, it's a, yes, exactly. It's a period. <laughs> I, I didn't realize. That. I didn't even realize that it is a Transformers okay. film slash period piece, um, starring <laughs> Haley Steinfeld and John Cena. Um, <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, the film is directed by Travis Knight, who has directed Kubo and the Two Strings. He's you know he's one of the, the head honchos at Leica, um, which certainly gives me uh, reasons to be somewhat optimistic. Um, but let's get to what we thought of the trailer. Let's start with uh, start with uh, you, Mark. I, I know you have a contentious relationship with the Transformers films to say the least. What do you think of this? Yeah, I mean, so you did mention that Travis Knight directed uh, this film, and I guess this is his first live-action film. Um, He's essentially been an animator for Laika, which I'm a big fan of, so that's something that uh, would appeal to me, but as far as the uh, Transformers series is concerned, for me, uh, it's run its course. This movie wasn't made for me, so I, I feel like my opinion doesn't even matter, you know. But but no, I'm I'm not excited about it, and it's it's not something that I would you know want to see. I do like uh, Haley Steinfeld, you know. I I think she's an appealing actress, um, but there wasn't anything in this trailer that you know redefined what I know about Transformers. It's it's giving me exactly what I expect, and it's not made for me, so I I don't even think my opinion matters. Wow. Okay. Scott, how about you? What do you think of the trailer for Bumblebee? My opinion matters. <laughs> no, um, it looks aggressively fine. I, I, you know, basically it's Monster Truck with Transformers, which you know, it's it's it's. I kind of enjoyed Monster Trucks for what it was. It was another one of those cases where people say we want original movies that remind us of our childhood, and then when that comes out, oh, this looks ridiculous. Oh, this is dumb. But anyway. Um, it, again, it looks aggressively fine. I, I'm as much of a like a nerd, like a nerd as anybody else. Um, I'm hoping it will be good. I also wonder, you know, what it's gonna be now that, for all, for as far as we know, Transformers the franchise is 
either done or on sabbatical for a while. You know, the writer's room has been disbanded. There's no Transformers Cinematic Universe coming down the pike. Um, so this did nothing for me beyond I like the director and I like the actress. Um, and again, I will be kind of curious to see if this turns out to be basically a very loose redo of the first Transformers film without the, you know, hardcore action spectacle that made that first one such a big deal 11 years ago. Abe, how about you? Uh, I was kind of prepared to go into seeing this trailer and, and saying like, oh, well, you know, more of the same kind of thing. And I was kind of pleasantly surprised. I was thinking to myself, hey, I like that it's kind of contained in that it's only one Transformer. And sure, when John Cena shows up, I was like, oh, wow, John Cena. And I'm a big fan of his. But uh, I I think that they kind of crafted this trailer where it kind of makes you feel like you're watching this uh, almost like this E.T. type story where there's this alien and they kind of just want to hide them. But uh, things are Things go awry and uh, we'll see where it goes. I, I'm on the fence about it, too, which is where you guys are um, just because I've seen the other Transformers movies. But I was kind of personally surprised by this by this trailer cut. <laughs> I would say I'm the, probably the most positive just because mainly Travis Knight. I'm positive about it. I, I would say I'm the most, I'm more positive just because I, I, I think Travis Knight's name does a lot for me and the tone of this trailer. I just, I don't see it descending in the same ways that the Transformers movies do at their worst when they add basically Michael Bay's sense of humor on top of all the spectacle. He I, is an executive producer though. Yes, but he's not a writer. I mean, he's not imposing certain ideas on it beyond, like... What you're saying, he's just going to be back in the trailer counting his money. (laughs) Pretty much. Like, I... When when Michael Bay's name is on a movie as far as a producer goes, it doesn't tend to get in the way of whatever the movie is, for better or worse. I mean, A Quiet Place doesn't feel like a Michael Bay film, even though it is done by by Platinum Dunes. Did you you not see the explosion? It's a loud movie. I don't get (laughs) I don't deny that. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I I mean, I'm not going to say that Bumblebee's going to be like, you know, the best thing ever. But at the same time, I have a lot of faith in what Travis Knight can bring to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it is telling a story that just doesn't feel as unique um, in today's age as it would have back in 2007, I still think there's something here. I, I, there's enough here to make me... And if you're, I don't think Paramount's dumb to put this movie out on Christmas and think, like, this is just for the boys. Like, especially when you have Heavy Seinfeld as the lead character in the movie. I think there's... They're really trying to go for a more family-friendly tone in this type of movie. So we'll see what happens. But uh, no, I'm cautiously optimistic for Bumblebee. Um, sure. Which, which uh, it's theaters uh, December, December 21st. So there you go. Let's uh, let's get to our next trailer, which is Creed 2. Um, the second Creed film and the, <laughs> the eighth Rocky film, um, which uh, once again stars Michael B. Jordan and Sylvester Stallone. Uh, and Tessa Thompson returns as well, along with Felicia Rashad. Um, and this time we're adding Dolph Lundgren and um, who plays Little Creed? Uh, Florian Montanu as uh, Victor Drago, the son of Ivan Drago. Um, the film this time, the film this time around, is directed by Stephen Capel Jr., um, who uh, is, uh, I guess, a, a newbie director. I mean, he's done uh, some work, um, but yeah, this is a this is, uh, Big kind of feature film debut. Uh, let's start with Scott this time. Scott, what did you think of the trailer for Creed 2? Well, putting aside my often noted reservations about them doing the whole Son of Drago thing, it looks good. It looks well staged. It looks well acted. Yes, there are bits and pieces that feel like, oh, this is Rocky 2, this is Rocky 3, you know, but it's a, it is a Rocky movie at the end of the day. 
Um, but, you know, clearly they're keeping the focus on Adonis Creed and his life and his conflicts. Um, and the first one was so good. And frankly, Sylvester Stallone is a good writer when he gets out of his own way. You know, I think Homefront is one of the best written Jason Statham films you've ever seen. Good movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so again, as much as I hate the idea of, you know, Son of Rocky Four, at the end of the day, Creed was basically taking the goofiest Rocky movie of all and using that as a springboard for a darn good movie. You know, as I noted elsewhere, and I wish I had thought of this three years ago, you know, Creed is basically like if you took Batman and Robin and used that as a pilot or as a, as the prequel to a really great Batman Beyond movie. Hmm. Um, so they have my benefit of the doubt. It looks good. Mark, how about you? I, I would say I'm less positive on it. I, I think it, you know, it's, what was it? Aggressively fine is what Scott had described the last thing. I mean, it, it's, it seems fine, but I mean, uh, Ryan Coogler is not the director. He's the executive producer on this. So that's not, uh, that doesn't really give me high hopes. Uh, and I think Sylvester Stallone is a fine writer. I mean, he wrote the original Rocky, but the fact that he's writing this again, makes me feel like it's going to be sort of business as usual. I mean, he, he knows how to write these films, and we're going to get another competent, you know, boxing movie. And, you know, do we need another boxing movie that sort of uh, sort of mimics the story beats of Rocky Three, which uh, this trailer appears to do? Uh, to me, I, I'm not clamoring for that, but, you know, maybe some people are, and so I'm sure it'll be fine for them. A.W.? What's weird is that I when I worst, when I first watched the the Creed trailer, um, I was like, oh wow, you know, like I was pretty blown away by it because I was thinking to myself previously to that that the Creed movie was going to be just a junk movie, and I was pleasantly surprised that it was a uh, uh, a much better movie. When I was watching the Creed two trailer, I was like, you know, I don't like this trailer. I don't like that they're kind of it feels very derivative of things that we've already seen in the Rocky universe. And uh, it kind of feels like there are some similar shots that we've already seen in Creed. So it just feels super like a rehashing of the same stories that we that we're going to be watching. So I was not a fan of it. And if it's really good, I will gladly eat my words. But from right now, from what I, from what I'm seeing and in, in this like two minute trailer it just feels like it's more of the same. And and. <laughs> And I don't know, it just feels like what you guys have been saying, like aggressively mediocre. I think that it's competently made, it looks competently made, and I'm sure everything looks like fine and dandy and the, the music selection is going to be great. But, you know, I, it just looks <laughs> very, very much the same as, as Creed, and why would I want to watch that? I like getting more of a good thing, and if it delivers more of a good thing, then sure, I'll be happy with it. I'll say that I was very excited for Creed, and Ryan Cougar absolutely delivered on it. Um, which I was very pleased by, but what helped with that was it was a story that, yes, it came out of kind of the <laughs> the the idea of, oh yeah, we have the son of Apollo Creed, and that inherently could be goofy in some standard, but Kugler really had a good idea of what he wanted to do with that, and he delivered yeah. upon that. This isn't coming from, like, you know, this need to tell this story. This is coming from a need to follow up the story that needed to be that felt that there was someone that needed to be told. So by default, I'm not thinking very high on the prospects of what this could deliver, given the story that we're seeing, which is yeah, fight one son fights another son, and it's like 
more of an internet fanboy wish is like, well, we made the Son of Apollo movie. What if he fought the Son of Drago? And it's like that somehow turned into an actual movie. Um, so it's like, well, from that logic, yeah, that's not the most exciting thing. From the look of it, yeah, sure, it seems to capture the same like spirits. You know, Cable Junior is went to cougar school on how to make this movie look. So, I mean, it seemed that mm-hmm. that aspect of it, you know, seems to be there. I like Michael B. Jordan. I, I like this cast in generals. I, I look forward to seeing Dolph Lundgren taking on a serious role that might require him to do more than uh, what he's done in other serious roles. If you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so, hey man, he saved those, those old guys. So we'll, um, we'll see where this goes. I, I, I mean, I'm as as not great as some of the Rocky movies are. It's a franchise that I do like a lot. Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't, oh, yeah. I don't I mean, like, I like, I don't, more than most I don't movies. not have fun watching Rocky movies. Yes, there are better Rocky movies than other Rocky movies, but I still enjoy watching any of these movies, even five, yeah. even three. Yeah, <laughs> 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 um, um, I actually, I have a lot of nostalgia for Rocky three. I actually, I mean, I saw that as a child, so I. In, I sort of enjoy that on sort of a nostalgic level. So you would think that this this Creed two would really speak to me, and it it doesn't. It, it just looks, as uh, Abe said, very derivative. Well, I um, mean, it's... I mean, Car- if Cars three was able to work with that plot, then surely the actual boxing movie can pull it off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. The only downside is if this fails, we're going to get the Mick prequel with a young Burgess Meredith, and that's no one wants. That I'm okay with that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the part, the, I, I want to see the part where he turns Rocky down. <laughs> anyway, uh, Creed Two arrives in theaters on November 21st, so coming this uh, Thanksgiving. Um, but yeah, all right, enough of that. Let's move on. Let's get to our main review for Jurassic World Fall colon almost <laughs> guys. I almost forgot the colon. Jurassic World colon Fallen Kingdom She's tracked Okay, okay, come on Okay Are you okay? I'm okay Eleven species. Blue is the last of her kind. You'll never capture her. We thought you might know someone who could help. A rescue op? What could go wrong? Hey, Blue. You know me. Come with me. You know you can't stay here. Back your men up right now. It was all a lie! The man who proved raptors can follow orders. You never thought how many millions a trained predator might be once? They're gonna sell them. Not blue. They need it for something else. What is that thing? They made it. This is the most dangerous creature that ever walked the earth. I say we shut this whole thing down. Hey, girl. You think what I'm thinking? Genetic power has now been unleashed. You can't put it back in the box. Blue! If I don't make it back, I'll 
Remember, you're the one who made me come here. I'll be all right. These creatures were here before us. And if we're not careful, they're going to be here after. That should have been some of the trailer for Jurassic World, colon, Fallen Kingdom. The park was finally open three years ago, but now Jurassic World is gone. Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, places J.A. Bayona behind the camera this time around. He's previously handled disasters in The Impossible and monsters in A Monster Calls, but now he gets to combine all the work he's done into one blockbuster. The story revolves around rescuing dinosaurs off of Isla Nublar, as the volcano, the one that we've all known about since the beginning, is now active... (laughs) And will make them re-extinct if no action is taken. Bryce Dallas Howard's Claire and Chris Pratt's Owen are among the people tasked with helping with this process of rescuing said dinosaurs. But once their work on the island is done, it appears a more sinister plot is actually underway. Mark, I listened to our podcast the other day on Jurassic World because I wanted to refresh myself on what we all thought of it. And uh, we were all pretty, uh, like, happy with Jurassic World. It wasn't perfect, but it was certainly entertaining. What did you think of this newest film? Well, let me go back to that first. The Jurassic World, I actually enjoyed that film because I thought for the first time since the first film, it actually had a reason to exist. There was the park, it was open, and now we got to see people actually enjoying it. So, uh, obviously the first Jurassic World is my favorite, but after that, my second favorite film in this series was Jurassic World. I thought it made sense, there was a reason. Um... The second and third one, not a fan of those films. And sadly, I am not a fan of this film either. The, and I hate to be the guy that has to intellectualize a movie that shouldn't be rationalized, but there is absolutely no reason for this movie to exist. Right from the start, the idea that the volcano is going to blow up and destroy the dinosaurs and they're debating whether they should preserve the dinosaurs or not that have killed people. I'm right there thinking, no, that there's no reason to do that. Not the all the dinosaurs have killed people. <laughs> but there's, the okay, brontosaurus there, didn't kill anybody. There is, no re- there is no reason for And even Jeff Goldblum, God bless him, the voice of reason, says, let's let the you know volcano do its job. But of course, that wouldn't make sense because then we wouldn't have a movie. So, okay, I'm on board. We're, we, we, the, the quote-unquote good people want to save the dinosaurs and the quote-unquote bad people want to profit from the dinosaurs. Oh, but wait a second. Wasn't the whole park designed to make a profit? But okay, that somehow we don't – those people were good, but now when people want to profit from it, it's bad. Okay, well, whatever. Just set that aside. We're going to go and try to save the dinosaurs. There is nothing in this film that makes sense. <laughs> they just run around and just, you know, it's just scene after scene of mayhem without any reason for it existing. And I, I, I didn't care for the, the new characters. The only thing that I will say that I did enjoy about the film is that Claire and Owen are a little more likable this time. They didn't make Claire this sort of uppity you know, white woman with a bob that you just can't stand. She's actually a little (laughs) nicer and sweeter. Do you remember the first time you saw a dinosaur? First time you see them, it's like a miracle. You read about them in books, you 
see the bones in museums, but you don't really believe it. They're like myths. And then you see the first one alive. This is not your fault. But it is. This one's on me. I showed him the way. So I will say that. And and uh, Chris Pratt, you know, uh, is probably, I mean, he was he was fine in the first one. I think he's probably a little more likable in this. So that's the good part. Let me let me but, point this out. When I listen to our podcast, your 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 thoughts of Pratt, where you you compared him to Poochie, where every time he's not on screen, you're like, "Where's Pratt?" <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, Mistress. <laughs> because I think uh, Bryce Dallas Howard was sort of a an unctuous presence that I didn't want to see. In this time, I mean, they they sort of remedied that a little bit. Um, but the the rest of the cast isn't you know particularly great. But I mean, we're not here for the cast anyway. We're here for dinosaurs, and the movie it gives us special effects, yes. But you know what made the original so great is that we had never seen special effects like this before. So the idea of manifesting d- dinosaurs in a way that we had never seen was full of awe and wonder, and that was enough to carry me through the film. But we're past that now. Now you need to give us a story, and there is no story. It's just random mayhem, people running around, and uh, you know, guided by a a plot that made no sense from the start. And I was still fine with you know, okay, I'll buy into it just because we we wouldn't have a film if they didn't try to save the dinosaurs. But they didn't give us anything. They didn't give us anything interesting. Um, I'm shocked that J. A. Bayona directed this he i am a big fan of him i think the orphanage is a great film i think uh uh, the impossible is a very good film as well so i I think he's a talented man i don't see any of that talent here i don't understand the the script is is just awful i mean i i really and the as the film continued on i i just got more and more dissatisfied with it and by the end i was i was just counting the minutes until it was over and it's over two hours there's no reason for this movie to be <laughs> over two hours long, but but it is. I mean, they made it the length of an epic, and it's it's not. It's, it should have been 90 minutes. So like Jurassic yeah, Park three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not one. Well, and I wasn't a fan. I, I can't. I haven't watched Jurassic Park three in a long time. I don't even think it's interesting uh, ranking these films because I think they're all kind of, except for the first one. I think they're all kind of silly. But you know, first one my favorite, then Jurassic World, and then. Two, three, and this one somewhere at the bottom. Scott, you were actually also Team Jurassic World back when that came film came out. Where where did you land on this one? Well, I thought I enjoyed it. Um, it's a solid three star picture, which honestly is how I feel about all the Jurassic Park sequels, more or less. Hmm. You know, Lost World grew on me. I wasn't huge on it when I first saw it in theaters. Jurassic Park, I'm sorry, Jurassic the Lost World, the Lost World. Yeah, wasn't crazy about it when I saw it in theaters. It grew on me over the years. Um, Jurassic Park 3 was, you know, a lean, mean B-movie. I just want a bit more violence and carnage, but whatever. Um, I like Jurassic World. As, as you said, it's, the hook is really cool. Oh, the park is actually functioning now. And people have grown tired of it. Um, I think what's interesting about this franchise is that in a weird way, it's probably the most explicitly self-critical franchise of the blockbuster era. I mean, at the end of the day, these films are constantly about why, you know, Jurassic Park 
or conversely, movies like Jurassic Park are bad, are going to hurt the thing they're trying to help, the movie industry, um, and why we keep making the same mistakes over and over again until there's nothing left. Um, but that's a conversation for another day. I think on its, on its, on surface level, the characters are fun. I thought Bryce Dallas Howard, I, I thought she was fine in the first film. I think that the male characters didn't treat her very well. Um, I think the problem with this time is they went overboard, making her a more conventionally sympathetic, strong female character, quote, quote, but also basically made her a very passive character after the first act. You know, I, I did see it twice. My wife wanted to see it. And after the first 20, 30 minutes, Chris Pratt basically takes over the movie. You know, he gets all the big action beats. He gets all the jokes. She gets all the reaction shots, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think uh, Chris Pratt was slightly less macho and obnoxiously uh, put the FBI agent he played on Parks and Recs. Burt Burt Macklin, FBI. Yeah, that's Burt Macklin than he was. And the last time, it was a more, you know, I, you know, it's it's subtle, but there's, a, you know, a hint that he's got PTSD from what happened in the first film, which makes him more interesting. Um, and if you look at the two films back to back, in the first Jurassic World, they're basically the villains of their own story. And I think the Fallen Kingdom is them coming to terms with that, realizing that, yes, they were the villains last time around. You know, they could only be so much tisking they could make over the villains this time around, but they can still do the right thing. Um, which is, you know, unfortunately something that's all too politically timely, you know, in the real world right now, where, yes, other U.S. presidents did bad shit before, that doesn't mean we have to be silent when this president does bad shit. Um, and as far, without going into details, I think the film works as a feature-length prologue for the next film, mm. <laughs> which usually is something that I don't like. Yeah, right. But I think it gets away with it here because, A, we know we are getting a Jurassic World 3. Who are we kidding? The movie's already made $700 million in, in 19 days. We're getting a part three. So... <laughs> You know, we will get the payoff. Second of all, I think it does work as a self-contained story. You know, it does work as a self-contained story. You know, there, you know, unlike the last film, there are tidbits of, oh, okay, here's where they might be going in the next film. Um, but I think it looked great. I saw it in IMAX and then I saw it again in, you know, Cinemark XD. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it looks gorgeous. I, there are, Many, many huge wide shots of just, I would say, old school cinema. You know, there's a, there's a, a shot near the end where one of the dinosaurs basically howls at a full moon on top of a very <laughs> tall building. And it's just a great iconic shot. Um, I'll note that this is the first Jurassic Park film to be shot in CinemaScope in full widescreen, yes. which is oh, uh, abnormal um, for this series. Yes, that is true. Um, and, it, and he makes use of the scope. He makes use of the wide angles. Um, there's a shot I liked in the first act where uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and the young male assistant whose name escapes Justice me, Smith. They're yeah. both on the opposite sides of like a giant you know, hole. And the dinosaur's in the middle of the hole. And it's reflected through flashes of lightning and light. Proximity alert. Something's coming. What is that tunnel lead? 
Well, it connects to the rest of the park. Claire, it's the T-Rex. It's the T-Rex. Stop! It's not the T-Rex. Probably. Probably? Lava! 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 Deep breaths, isn't quite the hardcore monster movie it wants to be. I think the PG-13 is responsible for that. I mean, it's a violent picture. There, You know, you have a double-digit body count. But I think to a certain extent, the film sets up some carnage that it doesn't actually deliver. Um, when you see the film, you'll know what I'm talking about. There were people but, that I actually wanted to die that didn't. So. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And there are people that you want to die that die off screen. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's let's and keep I, let's let's keep moving because I, I I get the gist and we we'll, yeah. we'll get back to more of this but I want to we'll hear get back to the, the further details because yeah. uh, uh, but um, Abe what do you think so Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom I think it's uh, like what Scott was saying I think it's actually visually very good looking you know the cinematography is is well done the way that they shot the island stuff the way that they shot the house stuff the way that they shot like what Scott was mentioning the the silhouette shot of the moon with the uh, with the Velociraptor kind of thing. I think those are actually really cool, and I think that the score is the score is all right. I mean, G- is it Giacchino that did the score? It's Giacchino, yeah. Yeah, Giacchino that did the score. I think that there's like some uh, some some goofy times where the score rises, and I was just kind of laughing to myself. You know, the direction from Jay Bayona, I can tell why they kind of wanted him because they kind of wanted maybe like this darker, scarier movie. But I agree with Mark that it just and Scott that it kind of just doesn't hit on it. There are elements of it you you can see it, especially in the later half of the movie. Um, more specifically toward like the, the house uh, sequences and also like this really kind of cool museum kind of chase and that, that was kind of a, a neat thing that they put in there but as far as the story goes the story is is just it feels very combined of multiple stories and that's not a good thing because it really gives you I actually was really into the the island stuff. I was like I was super too. on board with like the volcano erupting, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is uh, something that's uh, I, I'm, there's like some really dire consequences, and even like some shots where it's kind of uh, saddened." Um, but then it shifts. That's like only like the first twenty thirty minutes of the it's movie. The first, and then it it's shifts the first into half of the movie. I mean, first half, yes. sure, but then it shifts into something that's completely like goofy ass shit i mean like it's, it's it's really like you know you got a villain that went to like fucking like weekend villain school and he's like rubbing his hands all the time and like you know twiddling his mustache it's so on the nose and these characters like i can't believe what they wrote here you know these people that they wrote and it, it just becomes so i guess it becomes really like distracting because as much as you don't want to see these dinosaurs and whatever else and them kind of ruining the atmosphere and, and going and doing crazy things, they have to focus on the, the human side of things, which is what Jeff Goldblum is talking about in the early beginnings of, like, you know, man is a bad thing. Man has been destroying itself for, for many, many uh, generations now, and ultimately, like, you know, if we bring these dinosaurs in, you know, what's going to happen? So it's, it's got really interesting themes that they're going for. You know, the themes of, again, man being bad, but also 
of whether cloning is a good or bad thing. Um, but also, I would have to say that the characters, um, I do want to mention, everything that you guys have mentioned just in a nutshell is just that, yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard, she kind of gets put in the backseat, which is unfortunate. Um, and then Chris Pratt, yeah, he's less of a douchebag. But at the same time, like, he's the central focus, but he's kind of an un... He's kind of like an uninteresting central focus because they can't really, I can't really tell if they want him to be super macho guy or like really funny guy. You know what I mean? It's really an uneven tone. He's an everyman and adventure guy. That's like his thing. That's kind of what it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great. It's just, there's not much, film. there's no character there beyond that. I mean, that. I'll, <laughs> I'll concede that these films are not about the humans, it's about the dinosaurs. So. For me to criticize, you know, oh well, Bryce Dallas Howard wasn't so great in the last film or whatever. Well, it's an, it's not even, it's sort of like whatever because yeah, it's it, not that's even a how part. I feel too. It's just that I feel like they got the notes from the first one. They say like, hey, you know, she's kind of really, uh, really mean in her role of trying to become the CEO of the company. I think. And the last thing I'll say is just like the character design. I actually really like the character design, um, especially like the the dinosaur that they introduce in this one. Like, hey, you know, I really like that flash of like gold that he has. Okay. Um, but. You know, for the most part, it's like it's it's a very uneven movie. It really makes for like when you mentioned the running time to me, I didn't even think about the running time. I I, I thought it was kind of like me like a two hour movie, but if it's two hour plus, it's like that's well, it's a really two long hours movie. without credits. I mean, it, yeah, it's a straight up two hour sure. movie. Yeah, so uneven to me. It, it's uneven. Um. I like this movie. How <laughs> dare I, I don't love it. I think it's the same kind of level of meh as the rest of the Jurassic Park series. I think Jurassic World is a better movie than this, although I can see that this is a better directed film just because J.A. Biona is a better director than Colin Trevorrow. I don't mind Colin Trevorrow uh, the same way that some people seem to because he, I, I don't know, was born. I don't, I don't know what it is about him but um i people just seem to not not like him i you know whatever yeah, okay. <laughs> but, like, i didn't know that there was so much disdain for him there's there's lots it's it's kind yeah, of yeah on it, film twitter for uh, it, i agree i, I don't understand it, it. it i don't it's like he, he okay. get he got punished for making a movie um but regardless i think this movie i agree with you abe where i think the first half i was really into as far as like okay we're setting up a the volcano thing I think is always funny because apparently there's a volcano there, which just makes that's just always funny to me. That's never gonna. Why is it funny? Because where did this volcano come from? No, it's, it's, it's an island. It's formed by a volcano. Yes, but it's just such a big retcon of like now there's a volcano. <laughs> like, let's, let's let's throw a volcano in there. I also like how we spent two other Jurassic Park movies dealing with the fact that there's a second island and not once do we mention that second island as a means for transporting these dinosaurs. <laughs> not once are they like, you know, we can just move them 80 miles down to the other island. No one says that at all. No one's like, all right, we're just, we're just gonna, you know, it's that problem. It's the, it's the problem for Isla Nublar and Isla Sorda just does not exist anymore. Maybe the volcano got that one already in the, on the off season. Um, I don't have much to add that you guys haven't already. I just want to kind of get into full conversation so we keep this going. Yeah. I think the thing I want to get to, though, is in reflecting of my thoughts on it, because I had fun with this movie. I do think, that, yeah, like I, and I was saying, yeah, the first half I do like as far as the volcano plot and there's a big set piece involving the volcano erupting that I was really a fan of. And I like a lot of the, like, just stuff involving volcanoes gen tends to be fun to me. Like, it's just it like... It sounds like you really like volcanoes. I do, because it's like... 
what do, what do you need to do with a movie when you have volcano action set pieces as like the main right. the crux of it? It's like there's not I don't need to focus on character work. People have to outrun lava. I don't care at that yeah. point. You can't so shoot it's the like volcano. yeah, okay, show me a dinosaur in a tunnel and then there's lava and they have to climb up a ladder. Sure, that's all fun. Then they got to run down the mountain and there's okay, there's dinosaurs running after them. Like but that, yeah, this is a Jurassic I, Park I, movie. I, I, it's I, not a Dante's Peak, you know. So Yeah, but it's also the this, fifth Jurassic Park movie, so hey, here's something different. All right. Well, I, I, I can get it, I can get behind you know. how do you but I, what I like is how it's it starts out where it's like, well, Jurassic World is like the biggest one of these yet, so how do we go bigger? I know, we'll add a volcano and we'll have dinosaurs stampeding sure. down. It's like, okay, cool. How do you keep going with that? And then they're like, they make the decision that I wish more movie sequels would do, which is let's go smaller. Let's 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 make this more of an intimate affair. Now the problem with that is the second half of this movie is dumb. It's really dumb. It's so <laughs> dumb. There's so much dumb go like I can just pick apart all the dumb that's happening in the second half of this movie. This, yeah, this is dumb this dumb I, in the first half of this movie. Don't can get I me say, wrong. Though, but it the- did allow for one sort of beautifully filmed scene, which they spoil in the trailer, with the dinosaur claw reaching out into the bedroom after the little girl. Oh no, I that, that's, that that what? was a nice little set piece. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's kind of a it's a it's a bit you know King Kong influenced. But I thought that's kind of an interesting image. Oh, it is. But I I, I, I agree. But and I think that gets to what Abe was saying also, where this movie is a bunch of movies put into one, where it seems like these are just set pieces they had, and they're like, well, now we got to write around right. this. That's what it ends up feeling like. It feels because there's a lot of they ideas want here. To do these things. Yeah. How do I fashion a story around it? And that's gen- yeah. and that's how blockbusters really are made at this point where you have second unit that have to do all and the CG artists that have to do all these different things to like ahead of time so you have to like kind of construct scenes around that and it's like all right and but like the movie script here which is by Trevor O and Derek Connolly um who wrote the last one as well safety not guaranteed and book of henry um they like they put so many different ideas many of which i found intriguing i like the idea of dinosaur rights being a debated issue in a court of law with jeff goldblum <laughs> that sounds neat to me i like the idea of animal treatment i like the idea of animal treatment being a factor in one of these movies for a change of pace i like the idea of groups getting concerned together about how to solve this dinosaur dilemma i like that this to me i like this movie became a haunted house movie in the second half that's all of those are they, that can work as separate sure. ideas for different movies but instead you have this mishmash and all the characters involved in this mishmash are so dumb abe last week i talked to you about how irfan khan is so great in the first movie this week you have his life of Pi counterpart ray small he's terrible in this movie he's yeah, so he, awful he's, he's, villain. he's, like, he's just and and they're like, let's not just have him be terrible. Let's get Ted Levine in here to be terrible, and let's throw that, let's and let's throw Toby Jones, Jones to be, be like. And Toby Jones, classically trained British actor who played Truman Capote. <laughs> let's get him to be like this. this maniacal auctioneer and it's and no the, the weird thing is like they're all like three different parts of trump and some like one like ted yeah. levine says nasty woman at some point toby jones just have the look and then you have ray small as the businessman who fails so it's like <laughs> clearly this movie has an agenda which i don't mind but it's just it's so dumb how yeah, bad these villains are themes that they have presented here but again it just is not executed well i i want to i want to uh, ask you about um i guess the second half of it I mean, the second half of this thing, did you guys feel as though there was enough dinosaur action going on? Because, Mark, you keep on mentioning that you should be focused on the dinosaurs, and I agree, but I, I don't know if there was enough dinosaurs. Well, that's what, Scott's getting, that's what Scott's well, getting to, the, too, where their the movie... The entire second act of the film was basically dinosaur action-free, in which, the, mm-hmm. and I'm being vague here, the, char- the human characters were running around 
trying to avoid other human characters. Yeah. And then the rest of the dino action was put off until the third act. Yeah. And the issue, um, the issue is, it's not that interesting to watch the stuff that goes down. Not, not yeah. because the story is that interesting. I do think there's nuggets of ideas that kind of work. It's just it's so horrendously written in the way where I'm well, like, how did this the, get the, this far? Where no one's like, wait a minute, guys, this movie's not working. We need to correct it, some things right now. You, you mentioned this thing about they have this debate about whether dinosaurs should be preserved or not. So it it presents this idea: are dinosaurs beautiful living things? Or are they horrible beasts? The problem is the script never takes a position on the matter. It just throws all these ideas. So I don't know. I still don't know. Are we supposed to hate the dinosaurs or are we supposed to love them and, I, I and hope think that, that they I, survive? I think the it film does no take a position. Sense. I do think the film takes well, a position. I think, and I think that's em- emblemized by the emotional scene that takes place once we get off that island, like the last thing we see there. I think it is making a case for the fact that these are just animals. They're not trying to be evil creatures. They're animals, and human error has made things horrible for various reasons. But but we see scene after scene after scene of dinosaurs behaving in a a negative way. I mean, just the scene of the claw reaching out towards a a helpless little girl in her bed does not make me feel like, oh, I love these dinosaurs. Yeah, but did you not see the, the, the secretly taped video of, you know, Blue cuddling up with Chris Pratt? Well, I think there's also a case to be made, and I think the film does make the case, that, you know, just, they don't have to be good in order to deserve to be alive. Yeah. You know, it, it, well, it's... The thing that I, I found think... fascinating was that the Senate the Senate was like, you know what, they actually said this in the movie, the Senate was saying, we can't intervene with a privately held company. Uh... And I... This, and I, I felt the same way. I was like, "Wait, why would they? Why would they need to have this, this like public hearing about this company that has already hurt and killed so many people and pay, paid out like what was the number that they said in the beginning of the movie? Eight hundred million million dollars. Like some some exor- exorbitant that's, amount of that's money. That's the movie I wanted. I said that at the last podcast. By the way, that's the movie I wanted to see: the legal court hearings involving what happened at Jurassic <laughs> World <laughs> by Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I basically, you know, again, the question of the dinosaur thing in the second half is, yeah, it kind of gets away from the dinosaur action, which I was not a fan of, um, considering that I was I was actually really so into the first part of the movie that I was I felt like my toes kind of like um, crunching up a little bit because I was like, oh, what's going to happen with like this volcano? And then it just goes into riffraff of humans. And I was not excited by that. And the, then they finally get to the dinosaur thing at the end. But that's a little bit too much at the end. The, um, the pacing gets really slack in that second half before we get to the new raptor that they create for this movie. And it's, and that's, and, well, it doesn't help because you have Rafe Spall being terrible and Toby Jones being terrible and a really strange plot involving James Cromwell's character. I mean, so it's, there's all kinds I of things. About that. Yeah, because I, I you should have. This, uh, this character, uh, that James Cromwell plays, Benjamin Lockwood, is this, uh, this partner of John, John Hammond, Hammond yeah. who was played by Richard Attenborough. That we have never heard of before until the this installment. Like, why have we never heard of this guy? I mean, it's just because, oh, we had to create without this character. spoilers. The timeline makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. There are revelations involving their relationship that cannot be because, according to the third film, he's been dead for seventeen. John Hammond's been dead. For seven, what, 15, 14, 17 years? Oh, yeah, this this movie yeah. violates a Texas Chainsaw right? 3D violation in, in years, that's for sure. Yeah. This yeah. movie does not know math in the way it yeah. thinks it does. Um, the retconning does not work in that, in that matter. But, here, okay, so this is the question I wanted to get to, though. Sure. <clears throat> I, because I, 
I look at these Jurassic Park sequels, even the first one to an extent, but these sequels, and I think, are are we taking these too seriously? Because I don't, and I think that's why I like this movie. I, I wonder, like, is there, does there, wait, hold on, is there some kind of need for us to, like, really take it, like, would this movie be out of place in the 50s when other monster movies are coming out? Agreed. I mean, I, I just feel yeah, like I, I, I don't. I don't want. I don't want the film to take it seriously. I, I think it, what I think what this film needs is a little bit more, a little more silliness, or a little bit more like knowingness. And I don't think there is a knowing, winking sense of humor in this film. I and, at that, all. and that I can get. I can. I can. I can agree with that, which is why I don't like it as much as I like Jurassic right. World, which I think does get that goofiness. Even even the other two. Lost World West, because that movie gets... I watched it again, by the right. way. So, that like, movie gets dumb, this also. Is, but... this, is, this is one little moment, but, you know, that, that it's sort of a famous scene in Jurassic World, the last film, where they have the Margaritaville and the guy saving his margaritas. I mean, just little winking sets, and, and that's something that lives on on the internet. Those are the little bits and pieces that I yeah. thought, okay, this filmmakers knew that we're making kind of a schlocky film, but it's okay. We're, 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 we're having fun with it. This one almost feels like they don't realize that, that they're trying to make something like we're making something serious, and this is all about debate whether dinosaurs are good or evil. Now, and and I, th- I, th- I think that's it. And I think that's a director problem. And as much as I like how yeah. this film, I, and if it, I think as much as how I like this film, how this film looks, I do uh-huh. think that Bayona is a guy that takes himself a little more seriously than other filmmakers. There's reasons I can get into that I don't want to about that. But suffice it to say, I don't think Trevor Owen Connolly wrote this script thinking this needs to be taken deadly serious. And I think that's an issue for this film. I think that's, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually happy that Trevor is coming back for the next one because he seems to get the tone of these movies where, yes, they're inherently silly. It's about dinosaur amusement parks. That's silly. And, like, yeah. And the, the thing is, I think Jeff Goldblum gets it. I really wish he was of course in this he does. film more. Yeah. I, I was led to believe that he was going to be like a major player in this film. And then when I saw the film, I'm like, my God, this is like one weekend of work. He's barely in the film. So yeah. I, I really wanted more Jeff Goldblum. And, and I think he has that sort of winking, you know, it just, I mean, he could just show up and he presents that sort of like, you know, uh, sort of, uh, Personality. I think I, I, I think, wanted more of that. I think the person yeah, that, he's, I, he's not I, that I, fun in this movie because I, I think he's, he plays the serious tone of just like, you know, you've, you've experienced this, this atrocity firsthand of humans being eaten by dinosaurs. What do you think we should do? He's like, you know, fuck them. Kill all the dinosaurs. Let's let them die. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Well, I was going to kill ourselves anyway, to... but we can't let, we can't let these dinosaurs. I think there's something to be said in terms of what side the film comes down on mm-hmm. that the most popular character in the franchise delivers a speech saying, let the dinos die. <laughs> right. Um, whether or not the filmmakers are taking that point of view and without getting into spoilers, I think that's possible. Again, I think if they wanted the audience completely be on the, on the Save the Dino side, they wouldn't have had Ian Malcolm give that speech at the very beginning of the movie. Um, I mean, this could, this because, could, you know, there's a different you know, argument to be made, but I think it gets too far into spoilers as far as what the, what, that, that comes back to Mark's point of view as far as where the film's trying to take a stand. Cause yes, it does have a, yeah. it has the most likable character in this franchise saying, we don't want this, and then the movie yeah. ends in a way that's decidedly different than we don't want this. Well, yeah. yeah. When that happened, I just almost like ran out of the theater. I was gonna be like, I just wanted to run screaming out of the theater because I just could not handle what happens, what actions happened 
at the end of this movie. <laughs> I could, because I was very excited I, by I, this. Well, after the fact, I was just like, I hope that it goes bonkers, and uh, I'm gonna. I'm, that's what makes me curious about Jurassic World three, like what you're mentioning. Just like, hey, you know, maybe thing. I wonder how things are gonna play out, and that's that. That that actually genuinely has me curious. But when this when when something happens in this movie, I was just gonna. I wanted to throw my my wallet phone keys at the screen at one particular character. Well, I mean, for what it's worth, I think this is a situation could be could be a situation like the Star Wars prequels, mm. where most of the story that George Lucas wanted to tell was in the third film, but he had to get there first. Now, from okay. what I gather, from Colin Trevorrow has said in interviews, the core story of Jurassic World came from Spielberg. Yeah. And there were certain things that had to be in the movie. And, you know, if you do X, Y, Z, you could otherwise do whatever you want. <coughs> and I think the idea of what Colin Trevorrow wanted to do with the series is something that's going to happen in the third film, but he felt that he needed at least one film to justify it. Interesting. Okay. So, again, it goes back to the whole thing that usually annoys me, which is this is a giant pilot for what comes next. Right. But, again, it, I didn't mind it as much this time because, A, I enjoyed the movie by itself, and B, we are getting a third one. So it's not like it's a bluff. You know, this yeah, is a gem in the holograms saying, hey, if you see, see this crappy movie, we'll give you a sequel that was the one you wanted in the first place. That reference is eventually going to be out of date since nobody saw that movie to begin with and everyone hated it that did. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, Independence Day Resurgence. Yes, Independence Day Resurgence, another movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm curious. At what point did they decide that this would be a trilogy? Probably. I think it was always the case, but I think it was to their credit that they shut the heck up until after part two was well into production. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because they saw. I was curious about that too, and and you know my my internal instinct was like, well, the first movie made like a billion dollars, so of course they're going to get a trilogy. But I'm if they have to Scott's point, if they actually have if if Trevorrow has a direction where he wants to take these this trilogy, then. Yeah, I want to see it play out, but you know, if this one is just a stepping stone, fine. Even beyond just what I mean, I like dinosaurs, guys. I don't get to see movies of giant dinosaurs of this scale that often. I, you know, I'm by default gonna go on to see that movie. <laughs> like, yeah, and that's you know, that's why these films keep doing well. You know, people ask, oh, you know, blah blah blah, it's rehash. I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, the kind of thrills, chills, and spills that these films deliver are somewhat unparalleled compared to their fellow blockbusters. Mm. Now, you could make the case that, you know, Kong Skull Island is probably the closest thing we've had, and that was pretty darn successful. It's also pretty good. And better. Um, yeah. and, and Jaws. The, the Jaws films are kind of like this. I, I well, would, we haven't had a Jaws film in almost 30, in 30 years. But we got so the it, Meg coming this summer. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and that and, does and, well. And Shark Week is a yearly staple. I mean, there's just, I get what you're saying. I mean, there's things that are just, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, you know, it, 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 it's, in that sense, they are like the Transformers films. The ones I like and the ones I don't. In that, the reason people kept flocking to those, even though allegedly everybody hated them, is because those delivered the kind of spectacle and the kind of thrills specific to that franchise that you couldn't get anywhere else. And that, yeah, sure, fine. I'll give them three hours of my time once every two to three years. Um, and I think that's, for at least for now, what we're going to see, at least for one more film in the Jurassic Park series. Um, end of thought. I'm surprised there was ever a TV show for this. <laughs> 
just thinking about that. There's a there's a, have, like a cartoon a series. Go does, on. Yeah. Does anybody think it's a little bit funny that dinosaurs are never enough? That they have to keep introducing scientifically engineered versions of the dinosaur that are, you know, oh. with the DNA, the, the Indominus and the Raptor. Well, that was the, that was that to me goes the heart of the commentary. That's I mean, what that's what's so about that. It's so critical. My point is, I think dinosaurs are enough, but okay, you know. No, so, we, so again, what's cool about that is, I thought about that too, and I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm actually kind of. I think that that's kind of the direction that they, they, that's the only direction that they could go is mixing DNA and creating their own dinosaurs kind of thing. Cause quote unquote, you know, like what Malcolm says in the first one, man wants to play God kind of thing. But I agree with you that just seeing regular dinosaurs is enough. But at some point that kind of gets stale and you kind of want to see what happens when things go crazy. Well, I mean, that's what Jurassic World addresses. They're saying that attendance yeah. is down because yeah, dinosaurs are normal now. They've been around. This park works good. That's it. That's all we got apparently. So they get BD Wong in there and he's like, all right, did Irfan Khan wants me to make a bigger dinosaur. I did that. All right. The second yeah. one, this one, yeah, I don't quite know what the Indoraptor is supposed to introduce. <laughs> that makes sense, but you know, there you have it. <laughs> Is that the name of the? Is that the name of it? I the, can't remember. Yeah, the Indo, yeah. the Indoraptor. Yeah, it, right. Well, I yeah. think the you know the last you know the first Jurassic World, it is it was a very you know, almost ahead of its time critique of quote unquote blockbuster fatigue. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And as we saw what happened the summer after that, you had a bunch of films that in their day were giant events that played to relatively disappointing results for the next summer because you know they were just that week's quote unquote blockbuster. Mm. And to a certain extent. That's what this franchise has to fight, has to combat. So, yes, they do have to come up with a new gimmick each time out. So it's yeah. not just something that you've already seen. While also the characters sort of acknowledge that, good God, why isn't this enough anymore? Yeah. Well, they again, it's going to be interesting to see what, you know, billionaires around the world will do. So we'll see. I want to emphasize I do like the look of this movie. I, I think there's yeah. a lot here yeah. that's visually interesting to me. I like that there's more animatronic work in this film than the last one. There's some specific scenes that mount tension based off the proximity to dinosaurs that I was I, I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. um, I do... <laughs> it's weird to wish that this was more of a bloodbath than we got because there is like a I, whole... I, I feel that way too. There's I forget who said it. said that the PG-13 kind of held it yeah, back. Yeah, Scott said that. And there's a, whole, that. there's a whole sequence where it's like, there's a lot of people in this room that, you know, <laughs> yeah. you yeah, kind of like a little bit later in that same room where I was like, you know, I wish this was bloodier. You kind of expect something to happen and it doesn't. Well, so. <laughs> I, I will say I was shocked. There are characters that are introduced in this film that actually make it to the end. And I was shocked. I thought for sure this person was, you know, not a really well-developed character that deserved to make it to the end. But they did. So that was a surprise. Yeah. Any other uh, thoughts on a uh, Jurassic World before we move on? Um, again, you know, I, I, I saw, you know, I've seen it twice accidentally. Um, and <laughs> I, well, I mean, you know, Whoops. I don't, I don't <laughs> really. I was just trying to walk to theater tonight, and then I got to theater eight. <laughs> um, it worked. I think it, it's good. Three star IMAX friendly summer popcorn entertainment. I don't think it's as good as the the last one. I don't think it's as crowd-pleasing as the last one, but that's, you know, that's intentional artistic choice. Um, but I think it certainly is the one that's trying to say, okay, we gotta do something different. Other than just, oh, they yeah. go to the island and get chased by dinosaurs for two hours. Yeah. Um. It's only one hour this time. 
Yeah, yeah. And well, I will give them credit. They didn't just try to open the park again. And <laughs> I would have loved that. I would have loved to see the the, the lot. The, the, guys, guys, we got it this time. Okay. <laughs> this time, it's it's we've got yeah. The walls are taller. <laughs> yeah, they've all got shocked. <laughs> guys, and it's just like a picture of Vincent Offrio hanging. It was all his fault. Okay, he's gone. Park's good. It's all. It's okay. We got this. We got this now. They find the can of Barbara yeah. like, oh. Unrelated, by the way, our squadron of Raptors took out another Al Qaeda like <laughs> ISIS <laughs> ISIS army in the end. The, so you know that's the, the 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 weaponized Raptors thing working. That's work as we planned as we planned the whole time. <laughs> Are we allowed to talk about the economics of this film, or is that a spoiler? <laughs> I, I think we've. I mean, I think our know everybody question addressed the uh, the nature of buying dinosaurs. But yeah. Just, okay. Can we uh, got, what a bargain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a bargain. We yeah, have to move on. Those. We have to. We have. We have to keep moving. Maybe we'll get back to this in yeah, some, some spoiler time, but let's keep moving. Okay, so uh, Jurassic World: colon, Fallen Kingdom. When would you say people should go and see this movie? Let's start with Mark. So what is the lowest? I mean, I, I don't think it's worth. Lowest seeing. is you don't go see it. Like you just tell people not to see it. <laughs> or you wait till HBO. Forget about it. Or, yeah, forget about it. Yeah. And, it, and the lowest yeah, would be for, lowest for that would be like. Just, I, like I mean, this is the fifth. So I, I the, this is the fifth film, and I think this is the breaking point for me. I, there are four other films to watch. I think uh, see you know episodes one or episodes four. Those are better. Uh, no reason to watch this film. Wow. Wow. Scott, where are you at? Well, because I like the film, because I think it looks good on a big screen, I would say see it on an IMAX or related PLF screen. All right, Abe. This is a this is like uh like an HBO type thing where if you waited and it comes on HBO, no commercials, but you can still watch it anyway. Oh, you know, actually, if you're in the doctor's office <laughs> and you've got your with iPhone, commercials, you got no, you got your iPhone. And you're waiting, you know, and you have nothing to do. Then you could probably it's it's a time filler. You could watch it then. I love the bring your own rating system that we have on this podcast. <laughs> Would you? And you mentioned this in a previous episode. You need to update your ratings because oh, yeah. you know DVD. I mean, it's all about streaming now. We were we were, Abe and I were texting about this actually. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're gonna meet up on our in our. It's Sunday. a new world. <laughs> um. I, You're at the doctor's office. It's on USA with commercials. <laughs> if it's on AMC where they add out the language, but they leave in the violence, you know, you can. Um, I I I like I do like this movie. I think it's fun for what it's trying to do. I think it's a very good looking movie that warrants a big screen viewing. No, it is not as good as Jurassic World, which although that seems to have so much hate going for it, and there are people that are saying this is so much better than this that and that movie. Um, but regardless, I. Um, no, I, you know, for a, a another big dinosaur movie in a world where we only get these specific big dinosaur movies every so often, I'm happy I saw it. I'd, I'd recommend it for, you know, a big screen viewing. Uh, okay. So yeah. All right, let's move on now. Let's get to our uh, let's get to our feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com/slash/outnowpodcast, where we ask a number of questions for you, the listener, and you gave us answers. Then you gave us some questions that we can provide the answers for as well. Scott, Mark, feel free to participate if you'd like. And, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> right. Yeah. First one, simple enough. What is your favorite dinosaur? Ricardo writes, favorite one when I was a kid was Stegosaurus because of its spiky tail. Then it was the Jurassic Park Velociraptors 
because they were so terrifying. Jay writes, uh, I've always loved the Procompsognathus, the compies in the Lost World. But to date, I've never met a dinosaur I didn't like. Um, Justin has pterodactyl because everyone spells it wrong. When I was a kid, I loved Triceratops. Uh, Chris has Spinosaurus because they were badass. Front of the show, Michael has Littlefoot. Uh, Greg writes uh, uh, Plesiosaur, Nessie and this stuff. Uh, Renee has Brontosaurus. I'm shocked that no one took the T-Rex. Yeah. I, that to the, me is like, like the primal dinosaur. Yeah, and I want to say Tyrannosaurus Rex, but it seems like a boring answer, but that would be my favorite. Yeah, that, that's... When you think of a dinosaur, you think of a T-Rex. I'll say I was always a fan of Brontosaurus. I, 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 like, I like his little, little hands. <laughs> <laughs> you know, little hands, but that's it. He's an amazing card player. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, know, I don't, I don't understand. Um... I, I I actually repeated this question from Jurassic World because it's a nice question to have. I, I like hear, I like hearing this answer. Yeah. Uh, I, and my answer stays the same as well. I like the Stegosaurus. I am a fan of the Stegosaurus. Yeah. I think it's a neat looking dinosaur. I like the tail. I like the big things on its back. It just seems comfortable in its own skin. You know, <laughs> that's true. It kind of minds its own business. Yeah, it does. All right. Next question we have here is favorite films about science gone wrong. Chris writes Reanimator and The Fly. Michael writes uh, Frankenstein. Or Frankenstein. Justin writes, all those mentioned, but Jurassic Park is my favorite. Tammy writes, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and The Fly. Greg writes, The Fly. Patrick writes, The Alien Franchise. Philip writes, Summer Wars. Jason writes, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And Frankie, Frankie writes, uh, Resident Evil. Hmm. I think The Fly is a pretty perfect answer. That's yeah, plus the, the connection between Jeff Goldblum is a good one, too. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I don't think it's my favorite, but... Splice is pretty terrific. Yeah, a fly knockoff of the world of movie that I forgot. Um, well, I mean, would you call the Terminator science gone wrong? Yeah, yeah Skynet. Yeah. That's science gone wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, obviously, you know, Jurassic Park. Um, God, I had a good one. And I completely lost it, so I'll move on. If Batman you, if and you remember, Robin. just shout it out randomly. <laughs> That's how we do it on the show. Uh, next question, what are what performers would you like to see portray an adventure hero of some kind? Greg has Bobby Kelly, hashtag uh, Bushcraft Party Boys. Jason Ritter has Jason Sudeikis, hashtag Mr. Fantastic. Philip has Hiroshi Abe, Abe, I should say, Hiroshi Abe. Uh, Justin has Zachary Levi, and Jay has Paul Giamatti. Well, Justin, great Paul Giamatti. Justin's going to get his wish with Shazam in a couple, in a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, performer you'd like to see portray an adventure hero. Hmm. Who needs to make that jump? This is where I tend to pull out my Dame Judi Dench card, because that's always, you know, oh, I think oh, it's always oh, a game yeah. answer. Um, Why, well, I just saw Hard to Be Loud, so I'll say Nick Offerman. Ah, ah. Can I say today's Kristen Stewart? As opposed to 2012's Kristen Stewart? Yeah. As opposed to Snow White. <laughs> yeah, not, not that one. And the Huntsman, come on. It's <laughs> um, a good one. The personal shopper, Kristen Stewart? Yes. Mm. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm being quite serious. I mean, that, that, her new on-Austin persona is, you know, I'm, I'm more, I'd be, I'm more excited for her being in Charlie's Angels now than I would have been, you know, five, six years ago. Um, she's, as you said, she's very comfortable in her own skin. 
right. Why are they used to me? Next question we have here. Uh, What would you name your pet Tyrannosaurus Rex? Chris has Easy, Frank the Tank. Uh, (coughs) Jay writes Mark Bolin. Oh, that's the winner. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best answer. Um, Justin has Do You Think Esaurus? Greg has Rump Shaker. (laughs) Frankie has Barney. And Philip has Jethro. Jethro. I'm going to go with Barney. Hmm. I'm going to go with Tiny. Tiny? Because like get it. it, he's not tiny. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> See, it's, like, it's a joke because he's not really a tiny dinosaur. Mark will be here all week. <laughs> that Mark Bullet answer is the winner. I mean, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's going to get better than that. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't, if you're not familiar with the music of T Rex, please Google it. <laughs> uh, my answer is Whoopi, by the I way. Mean, that'd be the that'd be the Whoopi. Yeah, I like that. Theodore Rex. Um, mm. what's, the next, <laughs> yeah. what's, the, what's the next one? Next question is: uh, What are your favorite films involving volcanoes or lava? Greg has Lava Lantula, which we had an extended conversation on our Facebook page about. Uh, Philip has Return of the King. Jerry has a. Uh, uh, could the cult film The Time Machine possibly be a volcano in part film? Uh, sure, why not? Uh, Christopher has Dante's Peak and Volcano. Mike has Dante's Peak or the original Time Machine. Chris has The Burning Dead, a.k.a. Volcano Zombies. Uh, friend of the show, Alan, has Austin Powers. Craig writes Volcano. Love to see L.A. burned to a cinder. And then, I guess, un- a frowny face? <laughs> uh, Jay has Lava, the Pixar short. Chris, or I'm sorry, uh, Richard has The Incredibles, and lastly, Justin has all those mentioned. Uh, Joe, versus, have, Joe, Joe versus the Volcano is my answer. That, that is easily yeah, my good. answer right away. That's a good answer. I I have one, and I think, Aaron, if I re- my memory serves, you will somewhat support me in this. Pompeii. Yes. Pompeii yeah. is good because fun. It, it's not a movie that anyone, most people will not cite, but it's enjoyable. And in and, and, and kind of the way that you enjoyed you, you, I, I this assume movie. everyone on this podcast enjoyed this current film. I kind of enjoy Pompeii. Yes. Okay. It's a solid, solid B movie. It's fun, yeah. <laughs> and it sticks the landing, as far as I'm concerned. Like, yeah. it, it, like, it ends in the way that makes the most sense. <laughs> like, yeah, that is what would happen. It can only end one way, can't it? Yeah, well, you'd be surprised. It's fun. Not like this, but like, as far as people involved in what happens to them. It's like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> that should be where it goes. <laughs> Uh, let's, that's our next question. Our next question here, uh, what other movie should Jeff Goldblum speak on behalf of over the ethical dilemmas involved? <laughs> this is my favorite question that got the least answers. <laughs> uh, Jason writes, very thought provoking question. I know. Yeah. I, I try, I try to challenge our so listeners. We do on the podcast. Yeah, I, 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 I hit him up with those softballs like favorite dinosaur and then hit him with the Jeff Goldblum ethical dilemma question <laughs> next. Um, Jason writes, he should have spoke for Superman and BVS. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> that would mean someone actually spoke, so that'd be a nice change of pace for that scene. <laughs> well, the uh, question is, does he blow up, too? Um, <laughs> there were survivors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he could have Skyped it in. Um, Luke Thompson, friend of the show, writes the Arachnophobia remake. And uh, Mike Mike writes Solo. What movie should Jeff Goldblum <laughs> speak on behalf of, as far as the ethical dilemmas involving them? Okay, uh, I to Congress about why they shouldn't make a Crow remake. <laughs> the end of that national nightmare. Yeah. Um, 
I think uh, he should speak about Back to the Future and time travel and whether you could uh, still be uh, the Almanac. So, you know, <laughs> a lot of good things. That's good. I, I like that. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum speaks up behalf of time traveling. That's a fun one. <laughs> Mark, you have anything more of this? Uh, I mean, I always, like, I don't know how Jeff Goldblum would speak about the ethical dilemma, but I've always kind of been fascinated by the film Force Majeure and this sort of <laughs> dilemma that 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 guy had with, he could he you know, could be a saving himself before his family he and, could be a divorce counselor right scott you asked if if jeff gold has been in a time travel movie right is that what you asked yeah. i'm trying to think now i'm i'm, I'm really thinking about this <laughs> yes. i don't think so but it, it would seem like such a good match <sighs> i'm looking at his i'm trying to like run through his filmography real quick i'm not seeing anything that says time travel to me i think so <laughs> I'm traveling. Maybe you get on that. Like the, He's not getting any younger. Yeah. Come on, Wes Anderson, get on it. Well, I mean, oh, oh. not really time, but like Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, there's dimension traveling, I guess. Like, that's the closest I could think. But, yeah. But yeah, it's not yeah. That's not specifically time traveling. So, yeah. Great uh, great ending credit sequence, too, where they're just like walking the LA River. Or so, fun thing, I had not seen the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai until this year. And oh, wow. for one thing, I loved it. I was that was so my speed as far as the kind of movie it is. But that's a complete Life Aquatic completely references that ending, which I loved because I love yeah, the Life Aquatic. Like away, they I, yeah. show up it's a complete reference to the Buckaroo Bonsai. But it's like, oh, that's awesome. That makes me love Life Aquatic even more now. <laughs> but, oh, oh, there oh, you oh. go. Well, let's move into questions that uh, listeners asked us today in the panel. Justin asks us, I really like this movie. He's referencing, uh, I think, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. If you had to choose one movie, just one, what would be your all-time favorite? I know you've mentioned in the past, but just one movie, hands down, that you love. Uh, he also mentions that he'd also love to hear uh, Anna's uh, input on this. Well, I'll throw that one in there first. My lovely girlfriend, um, she is a big Audrey Hepburn fan, and not fan of uh, Funny Face is uh, her kind of go-to mm, favorite movie of okay. all time. Uh, we've done this before, uh, Abe, as far as talking about our favorite movies. Um, favorite movies. But obviously, just watch a repeat. Yeah, but obviously he's asking for just one. Is there a, like, hands down right now, you would say, like, what's this, this is my favorite movie? Abe? Oh, me? Yeah, I'm asking. Oh. Yeah, what, what, what would be your <laughs> answer to this question? I you were jumping up to the panel there. <laughs> but um, hands up favorite movie that I would just watch over and over and over and over again, uh, Back to the Future. <sighs> um... It's a tough one to just say, like, like right now, what would it be? Yeah. Um, and honestly, more and more over the years, my answer is kind of slowly evolving to Jaws. <laughs> like, it's just like, I never I never not want to watch Jaws. <laughs> like, I, there's a lot of movies I never not want to watch, but for, like something about my head just goes right to it at this point. Where I'm like, I kind of think Jaws might be my favorite movie. Like, and I, you know, there's there's are a you, there's a top you guys, set of movies that I generally name as my favorite movies of all time. But that might... are you answering it in terms of something that you like to watch over and over, or just you know, just a really well made film? I think more along the for me, I'm just thinking more of when this question is asked to me, name just one movie. What is the first thing that pops into my head? And that's honestly yeah. what popped in my head for this Jaws. this time. That could change in a week, but you know, right now might just be Jaws. Right. Mark, you have you have one? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I have several, but I'll, right now, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. That's one of my favorite films of all time. So laugh right. <laughs> Scott, how about you? Scott, I, I'm thinking. I'm honestly, it, it's not remotely my favorite movie or anything like that. 
But if this is one of those, you know, desert island type answers, uh-huh. the first Avengers will okay. probably never uh-huh. stop being entertaining and never stop being an example of just a really, really solid across the bow block, you know, blockbuster filmmaking. Okay. It's the kind of thing that, yes, I could watch it over and over again if I had to. All right. I like it. And it's not a cliffhanger ending. It doesn't make me cry at the end. You know, there's no, you know, caveats. Hashtag Scott hates DC fans. Hashtag Scott's paid by Disney. Okay, let's, um... Exactly. <laughs> oh. None of those things are true. Except let's... I hate Rick Lentine because I'm a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the only reason it's possible. <laughs> All right, that was, that was our friendly hysterical out now feedback. Feedback. <laughs> let's move on now. Let's get to... Uh, Abe, what, uh, what time is it? Aaron, I think it's time for a quick game here. Beautiful, beautiful. That was actually the theme that plays uh, before John Williams' score in Jurassic Park from 1993. Uh huh. The, the title of that of that track is called uh, "Clones Are Good for You." <laughs> That's the cereal brand. Yeah. Um, I've got two quick games for you. One of them is a quick primer game just to get us in the mood. Uh, and then the second one, I'll, I'll uh, talk about it when we get there. We None of us understand games. this. Oh, very, very quick. Okay. Uh, this one is just all Jurassic Park trivia. And feel free to buzz in with your name and then give me the answer if you know the answer. Uh, first one here, Jurassic Park 1993 won three Academy Awards. What? Which were they? Uh, Aaron. Aaron? Visual effects? Uh-huh. Sound? Which one? Edit sound editing. Okay. And sound mixing. That is correct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, next one here. What is the species of the main antagonist dinosaur in Jurassic Park 3? Uh, Scott. Scott. Is it called like the Spinosaurus or something? That is correct. Okay. Next one here. Which car manufacturer is prominently displayed in The Lost World? Aaron. Aaron. It's Mercedes, isn't it? That is correct. I Richard ju- Schiff puts it in four-wheel drive. I just, I just watched it. So that's why I was, was in my mind. <laughs> uh, the next one here. What color jello is Lex eating in Jurassic Park? Aaron. Mark. Mark. Green? Green is correct. Oh, <laughs> And the last one here for Fungi. Uh, name I'm on the board! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're on the board. Uh, name two characters that die in Jurassic Park. Aaron. Scott. Scott. <laughs> Uh, uh, Nedry? Yes. And the lawyer whose name is Gennaro? That is correct. It's Gennaro, yeah. yeah. Wow. I think this was Gennaro. I think this was too. (laughs) Exactly. I think this was too. The other is, Uh, what's the, uh, Robert Muldoon? Muldoon is the the game hunter. I'm trying to think of Sam Jackson's name. It's like Mr. Arnold. Mr. Arnold. Mr. Arnold. There you go. Okay. Oh yeah. So, what what yeah. 1993 movies were nominated for best score that weren't as that were better than John Williams' Jurassic Park score? That's my question right now. John Williams should know the score. Yep. There you go. That's the <laughs> uh, Alan Menken's uh, Aladdin score, which which won the Academy Award. Wait, wait, that was 92. Was it 92? Yeah. Yes. We're talking about the 90 or the 94, 90. 90. Well, It'd be the 94. Year, 90, yeah. The awards were yeah, you had Schindler's List, Age of Innocence, The Firm, The Fugitive, and The Remains of the Day. Oh, man, yep. I remember The Firm, guys. Man, the music in The Firm <laughs> was fucking spectacular. Everyone's that constantly talking about it. That was incredible. Oh, yeah. I, I <laughs> write to it. The other game here, I, it's called Hey, I Gotcha, directors who directed sequels to hit movies. 
So I will name the sequel. If you know the director who directed the sequel to this movie, please buzz in with your name and tell me the answer. Make sense? So you're naming movie sequels and we not we ought to know what the director is. Correct. Got yeah. it. Okay. All right. Uh, the French Connection 2. Aaron. Aaron. John Frankenheimer. That's correct. The Color of Money. Scott. Mark. Scott. Is it me? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Martin Scorsese? That is correct. Blade 2. Aaron. Aaron. Guillermo del Toro. Del Toro is correct. Iron Man 3. Scott. Scott. Oh, uh, is it me? Yeah. Yep. Sorry, I got an echo. Uh, Shane Black. That is correct. Die Hard 2. Scott. Scott. <laughs> uh, Rennie Harlan. Rennie Harlan is correct. The Empire Strikes Back. Aaron. Aaron. Erwin Kirshner. That is correct. Superman 2. Scott. Scott. Is this a trick question? <laughs> Not a question. I mean, uh, I know Richard that, Lester, uh, I assume, is the answer you're looking for. Who's the guy who is credited? Yeah, he just... Yeah. Yes, Richard Lester. That is correct. Uh, next one here. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Aaron. Uh, Aaron. Alfonso Coron. That is correct. Uh, two more. Tron Legacy. I, I can't oh, what's his name? <laughs> um, oh, Mark, uh, for you. Uh, John Kazakowski. <laughs> no, no. no, 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 no. Oh. Oh. oh, God. He's directed other sci-fi movies. Yeah. Mark. Mark. I mean, it was help from, you know, uh, I got help, but Joseph Kuzinski. Joseph, that is, that's what it is. And I will accept it. You're on the board. <laughs> Last one here, Jaws the Revenge. Oh, I don't oh, know. Oh. This is just for fungies, because I don't think anyone knows. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not Mario Van Peebles. He's just in it. <laughs> He's in the movie. Yeah. He directs, that's why I brought it up. <laughs> oh, what's the Charles Revenge director? I have no I idea. Don't think, I don't think that person's famous. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Does anyone know? I know 3D, because 3D's uh, Joe Alves. Um, what's that's what's the Revenge? That's the movie he directed too, by the way. What's Revenge? It's just <laughs> Yeah, what's the Revenge? Oh, God. It's uh, it's it's the first name is Joseph. Thanks. Um. Oh no. Oh, I know my jaws too. Oh. Uh, <laughs> if, if no one has it, then I'm gonna have to give it to myself. In five. It's an S. It's an S name. I know it. Oh. That is true. <laughs> Four, three, two, one. The answer is Joseph Sargent. Ah, okay. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, really? Always... Uh, Joseph Sargent of Taking of Pelham, one, two, three? Oh. That Joseph uh, Sargent? I don't think that's the same director. It... He might have directed the, uh, the, the, no, it, the 19, there's no. a 1974 film. No, it's. Say, Taking of Pelham, it, one, two, three, with, uh, oh, it Walt is it. Snapper. It is it. Yes, and it, I it, yes, it was it directed is. by Joseph Sargent. That's why. It I, is Joseph no, Sargent. Yeah. Okay. So that yeah. that is a legitimately no, good. No, film, he's, so. he's no, he's that's a perfect yeah. movie. Uh, he's done a number of movies, so that's why I was like, I know it's there's a name here. I just couldn't get it because right? I know the Just 3D one is terrible. Like there's no there's no like no yeah, there's no follow up from that movie. But this is like, why did he get on this? In the same way they're like, why did Michael Caine get on this? They made money. Like that's the they reason. Made money, yeah. <laughs> why not? 
Well, the great news is that Scott, you and Aaron are tied, so there's a tiebreaker. Get your buzzers ready. Okay. The last question here, again, for directors who directed uh, directed sequels to hit movies. Is it just, is it just 3D? <laughs> Jurassic Park 3. Aaron. Scott. Aaron. Joe Johnston. Joe Johnston is correct. Scott, you are in second place this week. Mark, you're on the board. <laughs> Yay! I was, I was afraid it was going to be Superman 4, which I also don't know who directed that. I don't know this is Superman 4. Because yeah, 3, be, 3 was the less... Other 1980s, 3 was... Other I, I, part 4 of 1987. 3 Fury. I'm, I'm very proud of my award that says participant. <laughs> <laughs> well, we like to give out those trophies here because everyone's yeah. a winner. Superman <laughs> Superman 3 was uh, Lester again. They're like, let's give yes. him another shot. Let's give him the whole movie. And they're like, never mind. Let's not do that again. Let's do something <laughs> else. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, at least he tried. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, that was games. That was uh, thank you, Abe. That was, that was a fun game. Uh, let's move on now. Let's start wrapping things up here. Let's do a little uh, out now. Presents what's out now. These are movies that are now on Blu-ray or 4K or DVD or streaming. All kinds of options. Um, first up is The Endless, which I already mentioned. That's on Blu-ray this week. You can find my review of that over at uh, ysablu.com as well. Um, Acrimony. This is the Tyler Perry film that came out earlier this year. <laughs> okay. All right, pass. I'm sure it was amazing. Um, uh, Gemini. Uh, who is in, uh, uh, Zoe Kravitz and, uh, oh, and, uh, and, uh Lola, and her Lola Kirk. Uh, oh, no, not her sister. What's the one where they're, never mind. Regardless, yeah, that, was, that got good reviews, didn't it? Mark, did you see Gemini? I did not. Okay. I think we got some, like, good reviews. Man, that's a treadmill list. Okay. Um, let's see, on Criterion this week, Female Trouble and The Virgin Spring, a Bergman film, um, which I actually okay. got, um, on, uh, to review. Uh, what else? On Warner Archive this week, Superfly, the uh, original black exploitation film. Um, let's see. Uh, black Lightning Season 1 uh, is out this week. I okay. am a f- I was a fan of this show. I think it's, it's a solid like the, the CW show, right? Yeah, it's a CW show. I think it's quite good. Um, Spoiler, mm-hmm. Black Lightning is back. <laughs> <laughs> if you know the theme There's song. There's some confusion for the first couple episodes, and they finally you know, get on the same page. The, the, the theme song kicks in. They're like, yeah, all right, we can keep doing this. <laughs> uh, let's see. Sleepless in Seattle, 25th anniversary edition out this week. Yeah, I see it. You're old. On, uh, on 4K as well. You can get uh, get get Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan looking in the most high definition possible. Um, speaking of 4K releases, the Mission Impossible series is all out on 4K this week. Um, so if you're looking forward to Fallout and you're like, you know what? I have a giant curved TV that I could really use some 4Ks for. <laughs> Here's an excuse to do that. Uh, in addition to that, Jack Reacher is also on 4K this week. So uh, Yeah, that was, a, that was a fun movie. We, we are Jack Reacher fans on this podcast. Um, all right. Let's see. That's out now. Let's move on to Extremely Cool. These things are now streaming on Netflix and Prime. Uh, first up on Netflix, Luke Cage Season 2. Um I was a big I've fan. Heard good things. I was a big fan of the first season of Blue Cage. This season, I've started the first couple of episodes. Continues to be solid, and I've heard a lot of good things about this being one of the more consistent like seasons as far as momentum goes. Because all of these Marvel shows are way too long. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Hotel Transylvania, the animated series season one, comes on Netflix this week. Kudos for making it for getting a TV show. Yeah. You gotta you gotta build up momentum for that huge blockbuster that is on my uh, my summer gamble list. So. <laughs> we all have it like in our top ten, I think, don't we? Yes. Well, like in my the last one made four hundred and seventy million dollars. Yeah, so it seems like and it, it was good. 
Um, what else? Uh, w. Kama Bell, Private School Negro. A new, uh, I assume that's either a stand-up special or just a special in its own right on Netflix this week. Um, I'm a fan of W. Kama Bell. I think he does some exciting, exciting stuff as far as the what he goes for. And uh, lastly, uh, the much-beloved The Last Jedi is on Netflix this week. Woo-hoo. Okay. Uh, what else? I think I'll kind of horse nuts again this week. <laughs> um, on, also on Prime this week, uh, Shutter Island. I just saw that was on Prime this week. It's like, all right, that's random, but sure. Okay, the Scorsese film. Uh, yeah, it's on Prime now. Um, all right, that was extremely cool. Next week's show. Next week we're talking Sicario, colon, Day of the Salado. That's what we're doing. It's going to happen. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, I'm curious to see what's going to unfold. Uh, I, I look forward to hearing your opinion on Sicario, colon, Day of the Saldado. Okay, all right, because, you know, I love the first one. I can't speak here or there because I've seen it already, so I'm just saying, oh, yeah. Oh, you, you. <laughs> we, we, right. we will see what happens. We'll um, last thing we do here, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Uh, Mark Hoban, what should people see in theaters right now? Incredibles 2. That's, that's my go-to film right now. If you're not a fan of animation, then I would say Ocean's 8 is a is a lighthearted, fun film. Um, and if you like horror, Hereditary. So there's there's lots to see. What do you see next? You know, I think the next thing I, w- I really want to see, it's actually been out for a few weeks, is this documentary about children's host Fred Rogers, Won't You Be My Neighbor? I've, I've heard from several people that it's, it's just a really kind of, I mean, obviously a warm enjoyable film it's got a really high rating on rotten tomatoes that's that's what I, i'm looking to see next i'll get to mine right now because that is exactly what i would recommend you see in theaters right now won't you be my neighbor that is right there on my list along with incredibles 2 and hereditary and american animals if you can find it because i think that's a solid film even if movie passes doing too much shady stuff behind the scenes about it um <laughs> the next thing i'm seeing is sorry to bother you which i'm excited to see uh scott uh, what you people see in theaters right now uh sorry to bother you is good um, Incredibles 2 is fantastic. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, unless you don't like animation, that is the best film in theaters right now. Yes. Um, Hereditary is every bit as good as you've heard. Even if you haven't heard it's that great, whatever. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, Ocean's 8's a lot of fun. Um, if you're gonna see Gotti, for God's sake, buy something, buy a ticket for something else and sneak in. <laughs> um, God, I'm, I'm mad at them because I want Movie Pass to win because I think they're, I yeah, Ugh. all right, yeah, that's that's a different topic. <laughs> what what are you seeing next? Oh, um, I'm gonna try to see what you do, my neighbor, sometime this week. Um, I don't have anything officially for press screenings lined up, just because I'm sort of, you know, I'm a, I have an invite for Uncle Drew on Tuesday. I might see that. As if my wife wants me out of the house for a night, to be honest. Okay, all right. That's good. A lot on the docket. I'm curious, has anybody seen RGB? Uh, No. I haven't. Or or I'm sorry, did I say that wrong? RBG. RBG. Yeah. Yeah. I missed it, and I wish I had... Wendy wanted to see it, so I kept kept waiting and waiting, and we'll see it on DVD, like traitors that we are. I saw RPO. (laughs) Ready, ready Player One. Um, oh, clever. <laughs> Abe, what, what should people see in theaters right now? Uh, definitely recommend The Incredibles 2, and if you haven't seen it, Infinity War, help it help it make uh, almost as much as Black Panther. Who hasn't uh, seen that? 
you know, <laughs> it's like holding out hope for it. I, I, will, I will bet that anyone listening to this podcast, <laughs> the, you know, that audience, they've all seen it. Well, if you haven't seen, or if you have seen that, then see Incredible Two. If you haven't seen that, yes. then I echo more than see Ocean's Eight because I really need that to be my summer gamble number six. <laughs> uh, and uh, next is uh, Sicario. All right. Uh, <laughs> So with all that, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now, Theater, and Abe. You can find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. Everything I do can be found there. You can find me writing uh, movie reviews over at weliveentertainment.com as well, along with uh, Preacher reviews. Uh, Preacher starts. Uh, actually, I'm going to watch it right after this ends, and I'll be writing about that show for its third season over there. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? Follow my Instagram, Oakley. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Follow my Instagram, abemo.jpeg, uh, twitter.com slash followerfmoose, hashtag dinosaur. Uh, Sub640, the podcast, and uh, we're online. We're on the internet. <laughs> uh, Mark Hoban, where can people find more of your work online? Yeah, you can uh, follow my or read my uh, personal reviews on my blog, fastfilmreviews.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Mark underscore Hoban. Scott Mendelson. Uh, I write for Forbes, Forbes.com. You can Google some variation of Forbes, Scott Mendelson in the ticket booth. Um, my Twitter handle is Scott Mendelson, and, uh, my Facebook page is Scott Mendelson. I have a ticket booth web Facebook page, but I'm terrible at updating it, so. <laughs> it's, at the moment, it's mostly filled with messages telling me I'm an idiot, so, enjoy. <laughs> Perfect. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now, Theron Abe over on iTunes, as well as on Audioboom. We'll send it over at HHWLED, SoundCloud, or Podomatic. Feel free to email us anything you... Uh, uh, feel free to email us anything you uh, might want to write about over that anything we discussed today over at outnowpodcast.gmail.com what is going on tonight? I don't know you can also follow us on facebook facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or tweet us at twitter.com slash underscore podcast and please send us plenty of gifts of those like crazy like real life dinosaurs that attack people at malls send us gifts of those over at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com um mark scott thank you both for joining us tonight thank you so much uh, you're very welcome yeah thank you for having me for sure and until next time when dinosaurs roam the earth and drug dealers are still at large that's gonna do it for this week so until then so long goodbye
if, uh, but now listen to the lyrics because I'm going to teach them to you after if you allow me to. And you and they can learn them. It's only a snippet. It's okay, one phrase. Great. And then we can all sing it together, which okay. might provide some enjoyment. Or That's something. true. That's true. Uh, uh, already? Let me hear that note, Kimberly Thompson. In Jurassic Park, scary in the dark. I'm so scared that I'll be eaten. So you get that? Let's do it now, can we? Uh, in Jurassic Park, scary in the dark, I'm so scared that I'll be eaten. Ready? In Jurassic Park, scary in the dark, I'm so scared We should have been on uh, Captain Kangaroo. I will say, Good job. all things, Good job. all things being equal, I think it was probably right not to have the lyrics in the actual film. <laughs> I think it was better with no lyrics in the really? film. Really? Yeah. I think it was a big mistake. I want to talk about this because we're not going to talk about this in the review. What happens in the next one? What? what, what is <laughs> the, this is this is all blooper right here material. You don't, this you is don't like... <laughs> understand. The dinosaurs are going to kill everyone. I I can't. I the only thing I want the next one to be is like it's just Mad Max. It's Mad Max world, but all dinosaurs. Like the, it's all desert and like crap, and everyone's well, like the, the skipping to survive. Are, the dinosaurs are mixing with the humans, right? Uh huh. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's essentially the second half of King Kong. It's dinosaurs in skyscrapers and looking in windows and people running around. That's what it is. That's just, that's like one day, though. They they live here now. That's what they do, right? So either they're getting jobs with the rest of us. Or... <laughs> <laughs> so dinosaurs the TV show. Yes, All right. Well, they're, oh, they're, they're becoming pets and, you know, they're they're gonna They're going to start speaking because they meet up with uh, Caesar and Koba. And... I, am, I, am, I, am, I am fascinated by whatever direction they're choosing to take people, with this next movie. People will use them for transportation. You know, I mean, it's going to... Oh be, my god, I can't, I love to they're going to be assimilated into everyday life. We're, we're going to regress it. back into like the Stone Age where we become like Fred <laughs> Flintstone. Yeah. Yeah. I would be all for it. I'd be like, this is not a direction I thought, but hey, this is great. <laughs>